Hey everybody, Hellabass, episode 41 of the Hellabass Podcast Experience. Hope you guys are enjoying all the episodes. This week, a special episode with the smallmouth experience, Benjamin Nowak. Uh, he's a Michigan angler, totally devoted to smallmouth, tons of great info. So if you're looking for almost two hours of great smallmouth information, this is the podcast for you. Hope you enjoy it. Make sure you consider reviewing and rating this podcast on your favorite app. And as always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. Enjoy the episode. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, it's official. We are live with Benjamin Nowak. Yes. Smallmouth experience. I don't know. What's up? What's up, Ben? Benjamin seems so official. Can I call you Ben? Is that okay? Yeah, Ben is Ben is good, dude. Ben is good. Benjamin is like the full name that your mom gives you that you can't get rid of because, you know, whatever. But, yeah, Ben's fine. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I don't know if uh, – I'm sure some of the people here uh, will know you from your content creation on YouTube and things like that, but uh, maybe just give us a rundown. Like you got a pretty successful YouTube page. You're pretty fairly active on Instagram. Like what is your, I mean, what do you do on, uh, uh, on YouTube? Yeah. So I guess started on YouTube, I don't know, a while back, but really my main focus for a long time was just bass fishing in general. And then I took it pretty much straight smallmouth fishing. Like my channel is hundred percent smallmouth. So it's like smallmouth tips, tricks, and just on the water smallmouth content. So that's really where I focus. That's where my passion is now. And yeah, I just think it's fun to have that community of people as well. Yeah, because you, what, like, I want to say, like, was it early last year or late the year before you kind of rebranded yourself from uh, your yeah. name to the smallmouth experience, right? Yeah. So it was like October or December last year. And basically from then, I went from Benjamin Noah, which originally my plan was to be like all the other YouTubers and have like vlogs and do this stupid stuff. Right. And then I'm like, Nope, we're just going to go super niche. Like I love smallmouth fishing. My audience likes to watch that. And then we're just going to go the smallmouth experience route and, and really focus in there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so I think you're from Michigan. What part of Michigan are you from? Ben? Yeah. So I'm like right from the middle of Michigan. So like, if you're looking at oh, the state, doing the hand thing. This is the only way to explain wait, 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 wait a minute. This, if we're going to do the hand thing, like, we got <laughs> to go solo layout. If we give us the hand map. Okay. So if you guys don't know the state of Michigan, this is what the lower peninsula looks like. And I live like right here. So I live in the middle of Michigan, right by Lake Huron. Um, and that's where I fish a lot is Lake Huron. But there's a lot of really, really phenomenal like inland lakes up by Traverse City, which is northwestern Michigan, and just so many good smallmouth fisheries and largemouth fisheries across the state. Yeah. And actually, like, uh, when I went to school at Stout in Wisconsin. Yes. There was the other way they do the hand, and they would be like, I'm from here. Like, I was like, oh. coming from Minnesota, I'm like, what is, why is everybody <laughs> keep pointing at their hands? I don't get it. Like, this is... <laughs> that's funny that's funny i actually never thought about that for like wisconsin is showing the hand the other way yeah you never seen that no, no that's a big thing in wisconsin do they just use the other hand and they're like Dude, it's like a northern thing 
So at least you're not a youper, right? So that's that's yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, the youpers yeah. are actually like they belong to Canada or Wisconsin, <laughs> but no. So I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm excited to talk, you know, smallmouth and just fishing in general. We talked a little bit before, but this is one of the cool opportunities that we have um, kind of being online now, right? It's mm-hmm. basically right. this is us just talking boat talk or, or fishing talk that we don't get to do because, you know, I'm not a tournament angler. Yeah, and both of us live in a climate where we're either iced up or on the verge of icing up. So, um, and I don't think you're a huge smallmouth fisherman, or a, sorry, ice fisherman, right? Yeah, like, no, I hate the cold. So, like, if I can't be on open water, I'm really not probably going to be on the water. Nice. Yeah. So tonight, if you guys have smallmouth questions you're itching to get answered, then is your guy. He spends probably about a hundred days plus on the water targeting smallmouth on some of the Great Lakes, and also a bunch of inland lakes. So depending on where you're from, uh, I know that a lot of my viewers are from Minnesota and those kind of places, they're fishing inland natural lakes, which you have a ton of experience. And I'm sure there's plenty of uh, people that will be on here that, you know, you know, fish Sturgeon Bay or they fish St. Clair or they fish Michigan. So uh, yeah, you've got uh, lots of experience and, and tricks up your sleeve to share. That'll be awesome because I, I've never been to Minnesota, but I've done a little bit of like talking with guys who fish Mille Lacs and, and a mm-hmm. lot of those inland natural style lakes. That's what I fish a lot of. So it's like these inland bowls that were dug out, you know, hundreds of years ago by glaciers and just, you know, that's, that's um, where I spend a lot of my time. So any questions you guys have, baits, techniques, whatever, and just yeah, talking absolutely. to fish I feel like the chat is like frozen because I'm not seeing anything. It feels really weird that it isn't like moving. Yeah, so I'm not seeing any on the stream yard, but I'm seeing yeah. a couple like just yeah, the, the, the stream yard is like hung up. So I might pop up on a YouTube. There it goes. There's one. Have you ever fished the Rapala Fat Rap, Dennis? I'm not. Yes. I'm not. It's kind of an old school bait. I feel like I just sold a short fat wrap on eBay. You're like a you're like a food junkie, aren't you? I'm working on it. I'm trying to rehabilitate myself. Baits that you sold the other day. You had one bait that had like a almost like a coffin style bill, but uh, it was long. Oh, that was like. Are you talking about what I showed on the stream or that I actually listed on eBay? Like, uh, it was on your Instagram. Oh, that was a. I can actually grab that. Just a second. I'm not really a bait junkie. Like I have a couple baits that I really like and I like to think of the things that I have. Like I know a bit about, but I'm not a bait junkie by any means. So what was on the Instagram was actually this, uh, it's an old pose. Oh, uh, RC three. So Rick Clun cedar crankbait. Um, so it's cedar, it's wood, it's a silent, uh, coffin bill. So I think this is, I don't know, back in the 80s, Rick Clun designed these for Pose. Um, and they were, I don't know, I think he did well in a classic or maybe won a classic or at least said he did. I don't know. If, like, yeah. Back then, we didn't have Bass Live to fact check everybody. So, uh, but uh, yeah. That's, that's just, a sweet looking bait though. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they were mildly popular back in the day. They're out of business. I don't know. So, well. It's just one of those things that I don't probably am not going to use anytime soon. So we're decluttering this winter and getting rid of a, a bunch of stuff. So yeah, uh, I feel that. I feel that. I've actually considered doing the same thing. Like I'm trying to sell some Vixens, like 
second second round mixes. Like not the, <laughs> not the OGs, no. Yeah, so actually on the stream the other night with Epic Eric and Bateman, I was going through my boxes and found a couple original run mixes Dude, those <laughs> that, are real. that I hadn't used. And this one is like a pretty rare color, this translucent uh, rainbow. Yeah. Like that's that. this, this, is a, this is a lime ice that's kind of lost its paint. That was also a pretty good color. That's but, awesome. But I got a bunch of them in my box. Those those are the things that I like I have. And then like I've have stuff that you know, like this is a pretty good bait. I mean it's fine. It catches a ton of fish, but I've got so many vixens and shower blows and stuff, I'm just never gonna throw this. So what's uh -huh. going on? This I got out of a monster bass box. So Yep. <laughs> yep, I feel uh, that. I have like um, three of those in my top one right. box right now. Um, how good is Maxent? Okay, William so says. That's a great question. And Rich actually asked me to bring a couple of like baits onto the stream that we can talk about. And I brought two packs of Maxent. And one's a hitworm and one's a flatworm. Which if you guys don't know, they're basically they're very similar in shape. The hitworm's more of like a shaky head style worm, and the flatworm is like their drop shot specific plastic. I'm not so convinced that the shape that matters that much it's all about the scent and the actual plastic that it's made out of like it's a very doled out style or color of plastic which makes it really really soft and supple and i think that's what actually gives it a lot of you know the characteristics and the scent obviously but like if you can tell it's a super doled out green color mm -hmm. which is ugly to us but i think it catches a lot of big fish so the the fact that it's just not offensive or loud and it just smells and tastes like food is yeah i mean uh, all of their colors are like that too man like even their june bug color i'm sure you fish like some of the max stuff even their june bug colors like a really matted out purple color even the black and blue just, super matted yeah. out like <clears throat> yeah i've had pretty good luck with the generals for both species to be honest like those are those are yes. good i bought a few flat tail minnows which i think are also yep I just didn't smallie fish as much as I'd hoped to this year. Um, it's just so good, though, dude. Like, you can't go wrong with basically anything on a drop shot max scent. I just think the scent is such a big thing, obviously, especially for smallmouth. So real deal, not not fake news, not hype, not propaganda. No, not, not hype at all, dude. So Kenny, Kenny Middlestat. Uh, he's a he's an avid tournament angler. Uh, he does pretty well with the smallies in our tournaments around here. He's fished the opens a little bit. I think he fished the opens this year. Um, he says, "What are your thoughts on spooning? Do you do much of that?" Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I don't really throw like a jigging spoon very much, like those old school slab spoons that you just drop down on these fish. I'll do it a very little bit, like mid mid summer, when they're really tight on boulders, and I just need to basically hit them in the head with it, like a three-quarter ounce jigging spoon on a bait caster, but I lose a ton of fish on it. But okay. I throw like a blade bait, which is like, it's a sure. metal body bait with a little bit of lead on the body. Like a Binsky, like a... Exactly. Yeah. Like a Dabiki Volt. Um, there's a lot of really good ones. I just pour my own. I go through so many, like if I were to buy them, I would be broke. Mm -hmm. But I actually cast those out, and I'll fish them on a spinning rod, which I feel like helps me land a lot more of those fish. So I make long casts with them on these big like boulder flats where there's like sand spots. And that's how I catch a lot of fish like late in the year and early in the season. But you I don't feel, I don't feel like a jigging spoon like and just jig them up and down. Right. So when you say land more fish, is that the action of the rod or the drag on the reel? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both because I found like a lot of guys talk about fishing it on a medium heavy bait caster, which for some guys might work. I mean I'm fishing a five eighths ounce bait. Mm -hmm. on a spinning rod 
But my big thing is you're fishing them on like number six or eight treble hooks, getting that hook in those fish, especially when it's cold, and just keeping that fish pinned, like having a really, really light drag. You're in open water situation. You don't have to horse that fish in. Just let him fight himself on those little treble hooks. I, I love fishing it on a spinning rod. Yeah. Do you do anything with like double split rings? No. Braid I, loops I, on your hooks ties, or anything yeah, crazy? My buddy ties braid treble hooks or braid uh, split ring hooks. And that to me is just like a waste of time. I go number two. It, I know I know guys talk about it, but like put it on a spinning rod, it really makes a difference. Okay. Like that's my biggest tip. It was run like almost too light of a drag on a spinning setup, and you'll land so many more fish. So you ever fish uh, Burton mullet? Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Burton mullet. It's good in the spring. There's a, another lake that connects to those two that's really, really good. Um, but other than the spring, I won't go up there. It's just really tough, super glacial, huge bodies of water. There's really big fish, but they're really tough to fish. Right. So they come up in the spring. It's a lot of fun. The rest of the year, it's super yeah, it's, difficult. Like super I feel, tough. I'm pretty sure there's several day on the lakes from the Bassmaster magazine yep. that are and mullet, just the way they describe it and read it, right? <clears throat> I've never yeah. been there, but I'm pretty sure based on a few shows I've seen. St. Clair is on my list. I need to go there soon. Like that's they have some giants, and that's like where Pipkins really started to like develop or come out with a flogger. Like when he mm-hmm. came out with a flogger, that was up at Burt Mullet. Because they're catching them on beds in like 25 to 30 foot of water, super clean water, but um yeah, it's tough outside of the spawn. Ontario just opened a pre-spawn catch and release for zone 20 the first time. This is this is really <laughs> exciting. Um, I know a lot of the, like, um, Joey DiCenzo, um, some of those Canadian guys that I have buddies with, they're super stoked. And I actually have some of my, like, spring baits that I wanted to talk about anyways, mm-hmm. so it kind of fits in. But I'm fishing, like, a jerk bait. Um, one of probably my favorite cold water jerk baits is uh, Grapple Shad Wrap. Oh, sh- Shadow Wrap. Sorry. Shadow yeah. Wrap, excuse yeah. me. It's terrible to cast on a bait caster, but you throw this thing on a spinning rod. And like super flat sides, so it doesn't have a ton of flash. It's just really kind of a tight body, uh, tight body shimmy, and that's one of my favorites. Um, or like if you're fishing St. Clair, those lakes where you have blade bait fish. An alternative when that water gets off color is like a dual realis G fix vibe. So this mm-hmm. is a lipless crankbait, super super loud, three quarter ounce, um, but super narrow body. So it fishes a lot like a blade bait, and you can keep it on bottom. Um, so you're kind of yo-yoing, kind of jigging it type yeah. thing? Okay. Yep, just like a blade. So I'm making a long cast, letting it get all the way to the bottom, and just kind of like dragging it or slow hopping it. But those are some of my favorite spring baits. I think a lot of times when that water is really cold, I'm fishing hard body baits, like blades and um, lipless and jerk baits. Mm-hmm as opposed to some like swim baits or neds net rigs. Yeah, exactly. This kind of related question. William law says he heard that chartreuse, large chartreuse blade spinner baits fish fast will pull some eyes up. When does that best in your opinion? That's like <laughs> late pre-spawn, like right before they get up on beds and post-spawn. Like that's a post-spawn deal for me. Like when those fish start to push back out, when they're around the reeds, when they're in the, like, those boulders 
just kind of isolated fish. I don't find like a really good tool for catching a ton of fish, especially when they're like really grouped up. I think it draws a lot of fish away from the area they're in. But when they're close spawn, you're just looking for bite, cover, and water. That's what I'm going to go with like a spinner bait, especially around some sort of cover. Like reeds, dude. I'll, I'll fish one around reeds a lot. I think Shadow Bassin brings up a very valid point. There are no fish in the St. Lawrence and Lake Ontario in Zone 20 area. So it's just hypothetical catch and yeah. release because it's not important, right? Exactly. So, favorite blade bait. So you make your own outside of the ones you make. If you if you could, if you had unlimited funds, you just um, buy and buy the boatload. What the, would your favorite blade? Vinsky's really good. Um, I I really haven't fished a ton of other blades. Demiki Vault is really good, but I like that five eighths ounce. Um, or three quarters, typically where I'm going to be in. So you like heavier? You go heavier. A lot of yeah. people like half and light, but you go. You prefer to go. Yeah. Light. Okay. Well, my big thing is like get that bait on the bottom. I want to make as small of movements as I can um, with that bait. A lot of times, unless they're really, really aggressive. Like I'm typically fishing in really cold water, low 40s to like freezing temps. And yeah. so heavy bait, get it on bottom fish it slow. The ones that start up really quick, the Binsky, the Mickey Vault. Um, there's another one, the Jackal Kiara Blade or, <laughs> is, is just a really small profile one that's really good as well. So you're kind of like, once it gets up to about 45, you're looking for then you're like yeah. looking for other baits and other, other opportunities. <clears throat> exactly. I'd probably pick up like a crankbait or like a deep diving jerkbait like a, a 12 foot diving jerk bait. So like a strike king. I really like the strike king, like super deep diver. Mm -hmm. um, the Stacy 90 is a really, really good, like overlooked deep diving jerk bait. You basically just get it down there, reel it down, you hit it, and then you wait like 20 seconds. Kind of kind of like yeah. It's not so like aggressive like a lot of your jerk bait fish. Right. It's more so like it gets there and then you just move it. That gets a lot of bites too. So 45 or, or less, and then after that, I pretty much want to fish something a little bit more fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, favorite top water? I'll definitely weigh in on that because that's. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a Top bit. waters or not? or I don't fish a ton. When I fish like natural bodies of water, I'll fish top water a decent right. bit, but I'm fishing like those bigger top waters and fishing something that makes a lot of commotion, I'm trying to draw fish up a long ways. So, like, we talked about it before the show, uh, maybe just on the show, the Vixens um, or the Shower Blow style baits. I like those a lot, like those big top waters or the head and one knocker. Like, the one yeah. knocker and a bone is a really good. Really I was going to ask, do you stick, like, to bone or do you ever mess around with natural colors? Or I play with, um, I have a translucent one that has, like, it's more or less translucent, sort of like a sexy shag color. I mean, like, really, it's kind really of like something real yeah, small like exactly. that. So, like, a little bit of a lighter, you know, white, more opaque bottom with clear sides. But otherwise, so, like, if you don't know what to start with, start with that. Because yep. they'll show themselves on this thing. Yep. If they're not eating this, then go something subtle like this. That's my thought. Yep. I'm um, with you. But, yeah, I'm a big Vixen guy. So, for favorite top water is a Vixen, a Shower Blow. Those would be my two favorite for smallies um, and bigger than you'd think. You don't have to throw the small ones for smallies unless they're keying on really small bait for some reason. Um, and then uh, 
I'd say Yellow Magic Popper is another one that I'll play around with it, but that's probably for me more of a river thing and less of a that's, lake thing. That's what I was just gonna say. Like I fish a Rico. I fish the the smaller Rico a lot. I throw the bigger um, one, the half ounce, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I throw like the, the tiny one, the one that's like not fun to cast. But that's a river deal. Like I'm fishing that, and the river's like really tight to like lay down some logs. And that's a post spawn deal. Spinning rod or bait caster? No, I throw it on a bait caster. I throw it on ten pound, actually ten pound mono. <clears throat> I throw all but my topwaters on straight braid to a short fluorocarbon leader. <clears throat> yeah. I just feel like the casting distance that I get, and smallies are notorious for hitting on the ends of casts. Um, yeah. And so, and a lot of times it takes smallies <clears throat> a couple times, right? They don't always like get it the first try, or it's not the first fish, it's the second or third fish that gets the bait. <clears throat> and I like the thing about braid is like, if I'm not sure if they have it, I just kind of pull. Yep. With mono, I feel like I have to set. So if they miss it and I set, the bait moves 10 or 20 feet, it's over. With braid, and I just kind of lean into it, right? If they don't have it, it just moves a couple feet, pops back up. That makes a lot of sense. Right away, or, you know, you just start working another one smokes it. So um, that's my theory on braid. And you just have to have the right rod and know not to horse them close to the boat. That's my thoughts on that. Um, yeah. Uh, how about bigger swim baits? You throw any uh, glide baits or? Um, I, I don't a ton. One of my favorites is a Savage Gear Shine Glide 185. It's mm -hmm. not like a huge um, glide bait. And I don't fish them a lot. Like it's a pre-spawn deal, and I just like want to go out and try to catch one on it and say I did. <laughs> I've only caught a handful. I've caught sure. like three or four smallmouth on it. Yeah, I've never been so. Yeah, <clears throat> I haven't messed around with it for smallies really it's, much at all. But some guys have had good luck, and they do catch big fish on them. But I feel like you are probably giving up numbers for smallmouth for sure. Like <clears throat> I don't think you have to throw the big baits to catch big smallies. I'm sure there's a bit of a rush and a bit of a. It's for me. It's like I did it. Like it's like I went right. out and caught a big bait because I think like what you said, man. Like there's so many other ways I can catch a lot more fish, and sometimes even bigger fish on small baits. Like I can't tell you how many giants I've caught on a little hair jig, right? right. That's like this uh, inch and a half long versus a seven and a half inch glide bait. So I think, like you said, you're giving up so many numbers just to say you caught one on a big And it's not so much like largemouth where I think like if you're really trying to catch the biggest fish in the lake, this, this swim bait's the way to go. <clears throat> I don't know that that's so much true with smallies. Um, and I probably just don't fish enough. Like if I was fishing, like like I only fish for smallies a handful times a year because I'm more tournament focused for sure. So a lot of my stuff is practicing or fishing tournaments. And like and when i do go fun fishing i really want to crack them so like uh, just don't <laughs> maybe if i was going up to malax 10 12 times in the spring then i would bring out the glide bait and because i'd be bored catching them in different ways but that's i just don't get to that point very often well i think uh, too with smallmouth like largemouth you can draw them out of an area and you're pulling a lot of fish with the glide bait you can pull a ton of fish with a lot of different baits like with a jerk right. bait you can see and follow it with even a hair jig man if you want to pull a lot of smallmouth and not catch them and just see them and get really frustrated, throw a little hair jig. And that thing, even though it's stupid, it's about this long, a small marabou black hair jig. You will draw so many fish to that bait that won't commit. It just won't commit. just won't commit. But 
it is such a good way to yes exactly <laughs> it's such a good way to get frustrated and uh yeah <clears throat> yeah um i'm sure we'll come back to that a little more in depth uh chris says maxcent we talked about that earlier you're all in on maxcent use it a ton right yeah i uh, also fish the old school gulp like sure. i think it kind of got overlooked when you had the maxcent come out but like old school gulp minnow gulp leech is still a really good they just they're less uh hardy they're they're more del they're fragile like the packs dry out they don't stay fresh yeah. they dry out on your hook so like I don't know. Do you think either one of them is better than the other? Like, no. apart from the fishability, because like I think the attraction of Maxent is that you can set it in your rod locker and use it the next day. Like, yeah, man. Like your gulp is going to dry out. You let it sit out for an hour. It's like an old pork rind. <laughs> You're like running to the next spot. You pull yeah. it out, and it's like stuck off the end of your hook, unfishable. You have to cut it off with a pair of scissors. So I really think. Maxent is just the evolution of gulp to some degree. There's nothing yeah. wrong with gulp other than that it's not very resilient. Uh, some of your favorite crankbaits, Dennis wants to know. That's a good question. I also have a box of crankbaits here because cranking is one of my favorite ways to catch them. Like if I can catch them on one technique, I'm going to be throwing a crankbait. Um, but I think the overall theme with smallmouth crankbaits is it's typically a small body crankbait. Like it's a smaller body overall crankbait. Um, one that I've developed a ton of confidence in in the last year, in the last, I guess, two years, is the Dredger series by Berkeley. Okay. Yep. Um, the reason being, and I don't have any, well, I guess it, the reason being is basically the overall diving depth for the size of the crankbait itself. So this is a 14 and a half, and it dives to about 16 foot of water. Put up next to, I believe this is in Norman. Norman. Yep. Norman. Uh, Little N? Yes. Sorry. This dives to like 12 foot on a long pass. And this dives a lot deeper, like to 15 foot. And it's the same size body. So my big thing is basically going smaller body crankbaits. Um, the Dredger 14.5 and 10.5 are really right. And then here's a sneaky one that. I fished a, a little bit before Fighter kind of blew it up, but this is the OSP. I was just going to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on the OSP? <laughs> the OSP is insane, dude. Like, there's time when it, there's times when I think it makes a difference, and there's times when I don't think it does. But when things get tough, and you like are fishing around other guys that are fishing crankbaits a lot, this just gets a lot of bites. It has a single knocker, so it's not super loud. It's a different sound, and it's a really, really small body. Is that like a ten footer? Yeah, they call it like a 10 to 12 footer. I put it on my 12 pound test to get on a 10 foot. So that's like, a, I mean, it's a, it's a replacement for a DT10. It's a little smaller body than a DT10. Exactly. And, and the, the other DT10 one, is a pretty popular bait, right, as well for you guys, like, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. And the other one that's really good and pretty much impossible to get good ones anymore is the Demiki. This is a DC 300. Um, dives to like 12 or 15 foot. But so good ones, what, they don't run right? They change the uh, I don't really know. Like some of them want a helicopter really bad, so you get them in the water and they'll just kind of spin. Um, but I have, so a three or, I have three or four that are good ones that <laughs> I like. Um, but again, small body profile, similar to the uh, OSP and body shape and size. Just small body. And a mix of natural and bright, depending on the day. 
Yeah, just what's water clarity. So, like, I typically fish areas where I know, like, I go in knowing what water clarity should be. If it's dirty, dirtier than I normally think, I go to, like, a white or a chartreuse base. Um, if it's clean, obviously I'm going to, like, a more of translucent base. And clean is all relative. So, like, if there's an area where it's normally three-foot clarity and today it's zero, I'm going with, like, a, a white base or a lighter color base and then as it gets cleaner i'll just go to more natural presentations right. and colors. but likewise if it's 10 foot normally and it goes to five you'll still go bright yeah, exactly you know that it's cleaner than even the, though it's the, cleaner like, than like <laughs> other areas it's all relative for me and choosing colors relative to the lake i'm fishing Ooh. you know anything about buzz bay that's that's what, a good one i don't, I don't fish even a buzz know yeah, not for. I don't fish it a lot, and I don't fish it for smallmouths very often either. Um, if I'm on a river, I have so much more confidence in a popper. Um, Why is that? Do you think is it just like more bugs and things on like the top of the water, just kind of like scooting along? Or? I don't know. I mean, the big difference for us, like we don't have shad in any of our lakes, but our river, Mississippi River, has shad. So I think it could be a forage thing. And there's a lot more like when shad get busted, there's more of a pop like i guess a lot of our lakes they don't typically surface the same way i mean you'll see fish surfacing smallies like on but a lot of it's just like swirls and like right like on the river it's like like and that's where i think that popper shines because it's like a really aggressive feeding like shad like busting i don't think uh on a lot of our lakes we don't see busting as much um because of the forage base uh, what are you going to do when all your vixens are gone? Um, I, I, the thing is, I, I think I've only lost one vixen in my life. Yeah, I like, don't lose top That's another reason I like to run on braid, because I never lose yeah. them that way. Yeah. The other thing, too, there is a really, really good substitute out there. Uh, it's the tackle. One knocker. Right? Yeah. Yep. yep. The tackle. There's the tackle one knocker, the paychecks, which those are almost as hard to find or harder to find than the vixens. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say the new vixens are just as good. I I, I can't give you an opinion because I have so many old Vixens. I have not bought any of the new Vixens. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm just not a Vixen guy. Like, I've fished them a little bit. I just don't know in my brain. Like, I've never had a day where I, like, tie in a Vixen and smash them versus tying on something else. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, what, in your opinion, makes a Vixen? Like, I think it's a, un- <clears throat> I think it's a unique sound. Um, it's loud. So it's not always the best um it's easy to get this like it walks super nice uh i mean the walking actions of baits of they all vary a little bit so i think it's a combination of the walking and the sound um i don't know i just have a confidence that i've caught a ton of fish on it to some degree and like that's really when it comes down to it i don't does the why really matter as long as it works but and it's not always sometimes they want something more subtle so sometimes the vixen can be too loud and too obnoxious. Um, that's why I think a, a shower blow is a little better when they want something a little more subtle. Um, so those are, I mean, if I can't catch them on those two, I'll probably get, what's that? I've always just been super interested in it because like I have Vixens and I always said like, man, I just have to go on the throw and I have to just put it in my hand and like get the confidence there. But it's one of those baits like, again, like you said, it's just about having the confidence. Yeah. All right. 
Thanks for tuning in, David. Thumbs up, crew. That's a reminder, great, uh, great reminder. If you guys want to smash that thumbs up, show the appreciation that Ben took the time to join us. Thank you. Why do smallies move so much on the Mississippi River? I don't think that's unique to the river. They just move a lot all the time. I don't know. What do you think? They're, they're just like always about feeding and always like they're not super cover oriented, right? Like you're looking at largemouth that are super cover oriented. Like they mm -hmm. want to be in the grass. They want to be on the wood. They want to be, you know, in the cover. Smallmouth don't care as long as they're able to eat. Yeah. White whale says six inch glide. He thinks underrated. I can see that. Can we deep dive into hair jigs? Um, yeah. Let me get caught up on comments, and we'll for, we are for sure going to deep dive on hair jigs. Let me just catch up. Uh, thank you, Zfish. Uh, favorite max scent? I think we talked earlier. You said flatworm, hitworm, flatman. Yeah. Oh, you don't care. You know, hot take. <laughs> hot take. Really, if you're just going to buy like one, buy a hitworm. It's way more versatile than a flatworm because you can like cut off a little bit and have basically the same thing. Make it a net, you can cut it in half, make it a flatworm, you can drop shot oh, it, you can vacuum it. Yeah, exactly. Like, so many different things with the... It's not the, sold out know. on every peg. <laughs> That's the other thing. <laughs> Best technique for flowage with dark water. Um, I don't know. I would say the Mississippi River is uh, can be that way. Honestly, for finding fish, a white, white and chartreuse swim jig is really good on the Mississippi River with a grub or a paddle tail. I don't know what are your thoughts. I don't fish a lot of like super current driven bodies of water, like, like rivers or even mm -hmm. reservoirs. But I mean, same sort of idea. Swim jig in the spring is a big, big technique for me. So is a crankbait. Like I'll fish a square bill a lot. Yeah. I think in, in general, the only difference is you're going to fish a little more shallow and maybe a little more current or cover break oriented. So instead exactly. of a D instead of a DT 10 or no SP, you're going to throw more square bills. You're going to throw more swim jigs. You're going to throw more spinner baits. You're going to, but the same uh, things apply. Uh, smallmouth up north, like the sun. So, do your smallmouth like sunny days? Um, a lot. What do you think? They like sunny days as long as there's like a chop on the water. If it's flat, calm, and sunny, you might as well not even be out there. Like they suspend so hard, and like that's when you, your spy baits are going to shine. That's when your small swim baits. But if it's got a chop and I have really good luck chasing super shallow fish when it gets dead calm and flat, like on the lax. Yeah, that makes and sense. I don't know if, that, if that's they like to go shallow because they see that as an opportunity they can see, or if like those shallow fish can't really, like, suspending in three feet of water is still, <laughs> I don't know. Right, like, right, but with that much less water, like, you're able to put a bait in their face. Right. Right. And I also think of less. And they really get covered. They get around boulders. They get around buoys. They get around sailboats. They get around swim docks. Like. Yeah. This to um, me becomes, I guess, more of like a struggle you, question, especially on the Great Lakes, right? When there's right. so much water. Right. Like, where is your shallow water? Like, is it this ramp or is it like 15 miles down the lake? Right. But I think you're right, especially on inland bodies of water shallow water that's when you're going to throw your you know small swim baits or things around shallow water and i think to some degree it depends on how you prefer to catch them if you're a person that likes to target smallies on boulders and go fish your 100 favorite boulders a sunny dead calm day can be really good i'll tell but you what you really was interesting man was when those guys were on the st lawrence this mm -hmm. year and you had like cody and chris johnson and one of the days got really really slick and you saw them go shallow. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to see how those guys were like 
looking for these boulders or looking for this shallow cover, like you were just saying, fishing with hair jigs, fishing with small swim baits and net rigs, that to me is so foreign because I don't, it's not that I don't enjoy it, but it's just something I'm not really confident in. So yeah, it's, it's like, what are you confident in and what do you like to do? Right. Um, Kenny says, do you like to make bottom cake or does it not matter for small I use a lot of real cadence. So like I fish my bait up like a foot and a half, two feet and change my real cadence. Um, especially a lot of the times I'm fishing around like sand bottom. And so I use my reel and my rod to make that bait do different things. Yeah. So no, you don't need to hit the bottom. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. Um, I think I agree. Uh, Charles, you, read, you can read that question, I guess. Uh, do you ever fish super shallow sand flats post-spawn? This, this for me, is when they get around those boulders. This, for me, is when I'm looking for very, very, very specific, isolated pieces of cover. Like, these fish are post-spawn. All they're looking to do is just recuperate and get back to, like, moderate depth or deeper water. And so, yes and no. Like, I'm looking near those spawning areas where there's isolated cover. Yeah, I think on Malax you see it. There's a lot of roamers fishing. They, they get on those rock edges, those sand flats. Um, yeah. Facebook question from Dale. Uh, post bond, where, where do you find the majority of your fish? Flats, drops, points, etc. A lot of mine, again, are like, if they're spawning in three to six foot of water, I'm going to be looking in eight to 12 foot of water. And I'm looking yeah. for super isolated things, whether it's a small, like, dude, it could be you have um, – you have a drop off and it's pretty much straight and there's a little inside turn that goes in like two or three feet and it, you know, isn't very long. Like that is a huge change for these fish when there's nothing, when there's like nothing, a small inside turn or boulders or, or whatever, like makes a huge difference. So my biggest thing, isolated cover or isolated um, contour changes are huge. Cool. Yeah. And it's all relative, right? If they spawn in a foot of water, then it's three to it's six. If they spawn in three water, foot, exactly. yeah, you're looking five to ten. If right or so, yeah. Hugan mm. Claire says he caught a bunch of smallies on rat wakes. That'd be cool. That'd be sweet. Um, shout out to Illinois Fishing. Ben, you're a stick. Uh, Tom says, hard for me not to tie on a three hook spook. Absolutely. This, uh, this is actually one I found. This old. The uh, Zell Roland Signature Series that I need to fix the back, but this—that's old, old three hook Signature Series spook is a really good one. Largies or smallies for sure. Um, uh, how much do you guys think social media helped you being a better bass fisherman? Hmm, interesting question. Maybe we'll probably have different perspectives because I think I'm about probably ten years older than Ben, so uh, maybe more. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a really interesting question to me. I mean, honestly, because I didn't. So you can kind of give your answer, and then I, I have a sure. probably a little bit different answer. Um, I mean, accessibility. I would say not. I don't know if social. I guess it depends on what you define as social media. I think the access to live, the access to video content, has made a big difference in shortening the learning curve for everybody. Now. That's been so for me in the last 10 years or so, that maybe 15 years where it's really shortened the curve. Back when I first started fishing, when I was I was reading Bassmaster, I was watching TNN Bassmasters like when I was a kid, right? That was 20, 30 years ago. 
Um, but I do think like, as far as like learning new techniques, learning about new baits, learning how to set up my electronics, the next time when I get the new version of the hummingbird or the helix, and I'm like trying to figure out how to link it or do a new feature, like that stuff all speeds it up super fast. And instead of, you know, I never open up a manual anymore. The first thing I go is go to YouTube and search it like to get a, a visual example. Um, so I think, and then secrets just don't stay secrets as far as baits, lakes, techniques. Yeah, that was much. That, that's the big thing. Example, yeah. like, and that's just one that comes to mind. I mean, it happens every year. Baits just get blown up on social media mm-hmm. and, and unintentionally too. Um, for me, I think that's really one of the ways that I learned. Like I told you, I had a mentor that basically got me into tournament fishing and he taught me how to fish a jig, right? Mm-hmm. And that was what I knew how to fish. But I didn't even know that bass fishing was a sport until I was 17 or 18 years old. I saw Ike and Ellie on city limits fishing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I never grew up around it. So for me, social media was, like, the only way to kind of learn. And when I say social media, I'm talking, like, YouTube and even television. Like, in 2013 or 14 when I started – or 12 when I started getting into it, like I had to learn through those guys on TV or in Bassmaster magazine. Well, or at least they gave you the idea. But if you don't go out and put it to work on the water, right, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like there's, you yeah. can't learn. You can't learn almost anything just on social media unless you go out and practice it afterwards. Right, but it and definitely like, it, it teaches you the things that like the ultra basics, and then you can like we said, man, like the Vixen thing, where. It's a bait that everyone says should work. It just gives you the initial confidence you need to go out and actually make it a confidence for you or learn a technique or, you know, understand why inside turns make sense for small wealth. Because I can tell you all day they do, but until you go and you put it to the test on a glacial lake where there's a small, you know, three foot depression, it's, it means nothing. Or you find what a small turn or what a inside turn on inside your turn. lake is. What yes. does it look like on your lake? It might be different. It could be a weed line. It could be a sand drop. It could be a rock ridge that makes it a finger, a rock finger that has a bend. I mean, it, yes. Yeah. Um, That's a good question, though. Yeah. Uh, Illinois fishing. What do you guys think about the Guggen Slim Shake? I think it's another trick worm. I don't know. I've never fished it, but it's just another finesse worm, in my opinion. Uh, where are we from? I'm from uh, Minneapolis, Twin Cities area, and you want to show them the hand quick, Michigan? Yep. This is Michigan, and I'm from right here. <laughs> we went over that in great detail earlier, Simon. So if you want a full <laughs> geography lesson on Ben's hand, you'll have to rewatch the beginning. Uh, how did Drew's crawl color become one of your favorite color for TRDs? Okay, so this actually came up on one of my net, or one of my uh, live streams like two years ago. There was a guy out west who's like, "Dude, you need to try the Drew's crawl color and the hula stick." And I've been throwing TRDs and been okay with them. But Drew's Craw is just a supernatural craw color. Like it's a green pumpkin back. It has a little bit of orange and black flake. And then on the belly, exactly. It's it's so good. That's funny because I grabbed a couple bags out of my boat just to like have some baits on hand in case we want to talk about something. And there's a a hula stick. (laughs) That is like one of my all-time confidence metric baits. Pretty sneaky Nico bait, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, super calm, high sun. That's a good time to try the hair. Uh, uh, we have not used the have you thrown, I have not used the Guggen Slim Shake. I don't know if you nope. have. Uh, best conditions for small eyes in the Midwest? I think sun, a little bit of chop, a little bit of wind. Um, yep. We talked about that. 
what's up with you and TFO Ra or what's up with your, what's your favorite? Yeah. Uh, so, um, I got with TFO at the beginning of last season. Um, overall favorite spinning rod is a seven thirteen. It's a seven one uh, medium light ish uh, spinning rod, super mm-hmm. versatile. And then best or favorite um, bait casting rod is probably the seven thirty five or the uh, seven forty five crankbait glass rod they're coming out with. Nice. Which OSP is that one that's super popular? Uh, the I throw the EXDR. I'm not really sure like which one fighter was throwing. But I think the one that I have is just confidence now. It's ill fishing at Illinois fishing. TNN was our social media. That's true. Uh, you know what's funny is I like just barely remember TNN. Like that's where I watched hockey. The Red Wings were on TNN. Hmm. I don't remember seeing hockey on TNN. Interesting. Uh, Go to bait for suspended smallmouth. Have you tried freestyling? Um, no, I've not tried freestyling. I know like Paul Mueller is an absolute hammer of all species, but it's freestyling like Demiki rig. It's sort of, yeah, it's like Demiki rigging or like, it's like a cross between Demiki rigging and tight lining. So like throwing out like a straight tail minnow on a jig head and pendling them it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some people do that on, uh, Kegama here locally one time years ago and that didn't seem like fun. Um, yeah, back in the day, all the shows, <clears throat> all the greats. I was a big Hank Parker guy back in the day. He was my favorite of all those. That's what I was going to ask is like, which one did you watch or like who was your favorite or idol when you were getting into fishing? I would say of all those, Hank Parker was, I thought he was the most relatable and I think partly because at that time he was still a tournament or he had just come off being tournament fisherman. He had fresh off like a couple classic wins a decade apart. I don't know, something about him. He came off as not super salesy. Uh, I don't know, I related to him more than a lot of these other guys. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Carolina Bass Hunter says he lived hey. in GR, so Grand Rapids, but I don't know if he's talking about Grand Rapids, Michigan or Grand Rapids, Minnesota, Ooh, so I'm not sure. That's a, that's a good question. I always got those confused. Like I remember I was looking at G2 Gem and I was at, when I was in college and they're in Grand Rapids, and I'm like, dude, they're they only two hours away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, Minnesota. They're 12 hours away. Uh, Victor says, yo, what's up? Oh, the great Cade Laufenberg. When are you shaving the beard and going straight stash? Like, ben, like uh, Hank Parker? I don't know. I don't see it. I just, uh, every once in a while when I bring it short, I'll like leave it and I'm just like, eh, I don't know if I can do that. <clears throat> so. Funny story about Cade. He has no idea who I am, but like I remember watching him fish for UW Stout or UW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Winona State. Winona State, yeah, dude. I remember watching him on like FLW College Fishing back when college fishing was like mm-hmm. really cool where you got the boats and whatever, but just crazy. Yeah, he's good. He's a good dude. He's been on my stream a couple times. We've hung out. We fished against each other in tournaments. Um, he wouldn't take me out in his new Phoenix this fall, even though I hinted at it. But thanks, thanks for nothing, Kate. Uh, this goes to Ben. What's the live scope like with the A rig? I don't really like. I actually don't use my live scope very much to watch the bait itself. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy, but like I'm using it to locate structure cover, things that I can throw at, and then just like sonar. I still think there's a ping, whether it's maybe not as strong as sonar, like okay. I like to turn it away from what I'm casting to when I'm casting to it. So you're looking to try to see a pot of fish, 
Uh, you sometimes turn it away and make the cast. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I've seen it, especially on super pressured bodies of water where it makes a difference. Um, or not even necessarily the fish, just seeing the, like, the whatever I'm throwing at. So you can get by with 360. You don't even need live scope. Yeah. I don't know about that. It's funny. Some of the guys at work joke. They're like, dude, you would be nothing if you didn't have pan optics or live scope. And that's that's pretty fair. I would be <laughs> skipping jigs. Interesting. Yeah, I still have a 959 on the front of my boat, but I actually did order a new Helix 10 that's sitting under my table here, and it showed up the Friday I drove to Pickwick after I got here. So I hadn't fully intended uh, it to get it all rigged up for some doing some offshore stuff at Pickwick, but it showed up the day after I left, which was so. Kate says, Yes, I do. So I don't know if that means he knows who you are, maybe. That's sweet. All right, we're caught up on the question. So now it seems like, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with hair jigs? Like that's a pretty yeah. early spring bait, right? Like that's a good pre-spawn. Uh, so that's a segue into the spring. So we really want to, I told Ben, like I don't really want to talk about the winter fishing that just happens. Um, and I want to, I am the prize. I want to look forward. I want to start thinking about melting water, warming water. I want to talk about early spring and go from there. So. Yeah, it, and it's funny because, for me, a hair jig had always been a, you cast it and you reel it like two foot under the surface and six foot of water or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm going to tell your stream this because I'm not going to tell mine at this, but that's actually a bait that my buddy kind of figured out a special deal with, putting it on like a, a 316 or a 332nd ounce hair jig, a little bit heavier and, and letting it sink. Right. And we ended the season catching fish on the bottom with hair jigs in like 20 foot. So counting it down. Yeah, just, I mean, dead sticking it. So like literally throwing it out and fishing it like a jig. Yeah, not even fishing it. Almost literally, like a ring almost. Yeah, just setting it. Just like doing nothing until a fish. As little as possible. <clears throat> yeah. So a good way to lose a lot of hair jigs. It's a great way to, yeah, lose <laughs> a lot of hair jigs and lose a lot of hair. Like it is not a fun way to fish, but it catches big ones. Sure. Um do you think that's more of a? Is there a certain like? Is that a cold water technique? Are you like all? You I think, think it's, it's a cold water thing? technique. It's also a technique like super pressured fish, like it just is super unintrusive. And a lot of our fish, I think, actually feed on bugs. Smallmouth in particular, like feeding on dying bugs in the water, it doesn't look like anything, um, and it's just a super easy approach that these fish. Uh, that these yeah. fish. I heard you allude to that on um, Rudd's stream uh, the other yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but let's, let's, so that's, that's another thing. But, but also, you do cast and slow roll and swim a lot yeah. of hair jigs as well. When do you think that is best or when, what are you looking for? Conditions or season or depth or cover? What is your, what do you think is best for? I'm super, super like late pre-spawn through the spawn and post-spawn i'm like there's a one month window and i know that's wrong like i've heard the guys that are like no it works all year but for me my main confidence is late uh, pre-spawn when those fish are starting to push up on the flats and get kind of squirrely mm -hmm. through the spawn and then uh through the post-spawn that's and what conditions i wise do you think calmer days sunnier days those fish just have to be shallow yeah. So like those fish have to be shallow. They have to be kind of roaming and they have to be around those shallow flats. So like six to eight foot of water or less is where I'm typically going to be focused with that. Um, as long as I know they're up on those flats, I'm going to throw it and have it on the 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they'll bite it any time, but I was like, at a certain point, if it's got a good chop and it's cloudy, I would think a spinnerbait would catch them better it than prob- actually, It you know, probably so. would. For me, it's like when those fish get really weird, though. Right. So whether um, it's weather-wise, whether it's pressure, barometric, fall, whatever, if they're off for some reason because it got cold or it got hot, real like a big temp, like anything that would put them in a funk, grab the hair. I guess that's yeah. a good way to think about it. Exactly. Um, I mean, because I'll be honest, I'd much rather be throwing like a lipless crankbait burning flats and covering water, but and not you can, I think most people throw their hair bare. Do you ever put like just a tiny? Yeah, so I actually plastic? put a half piece of hit worm on it. Okay, a little like tiny. I, yep. Like I don't want anything. it to really do a whole lot. Like No. You want a do-nothing piece, like a little stubby piece of Senko, a little, like this is like, yeah, I think like, a tail of a 2.5. Kitech with the paddle tail cut off, like I just you want, yeah, exactly, nothing. like nothing. I just want something to add some weight. Like I cut off just this tiny piece of hitworm, right? Right. So like a half an inch hitworm to put on the hook. So I think what I it does, say, it pushes like, the hair out, gives it right. a little bulk, gives you more casting weight, and then if they do bite it, they're finicky. It can give a little taste, or it can give a little feel something. to it. So they'll hold yes. on to it maybe for a second while you suck the hook, right? I don't know. That's my idea, but. Yeah, and I think, again, I'm going to go back to max scent, but for me, scent with smallmouth just makes sense. So, like, having a max scent plastic on the back, I don't know if it makes a difference, but I think it makes a difference in getting more bites. Yeah. Have you ever tried drop shotting a hair jig? I played with it this year. I kind of got tipped off to some stuff that guys were doing in Canada. And I played with it, but it's not a confidence thing for me. Sure. And then for you, black most of the time? Black, yeah. 90% watched, of the time. I think you said black, 10, 90%, brown, 8%, and then green, 2%. Yeah, exactly, dude. That's that's right. It's funny because... Yeah, uh, like this is that, that kind yeah. of olive green that's your 2%. <laughs> exactly, dude. And I think I have a tiny piece of a, a max set general um, yes <laughs> i mean for me it's just like i don't know why black works so well black on a drop shot is a phenomenal color mm-hmm. too um but it's just like if they won't eat a black one i'll tie on a brown one especially like if i know they're on crawfish and i get that bait closer to the bottom brown works especially on inland bodies of water better i don't know why um and then i'll throw a green pumpkin if i just want to get really really crazy yeah so once you go black you never go back yeah exactly <laughs> that's fair uh yes bob this uh, ben did do a big video on a, a flood in around his hometown in mid michigan so hey i appreciate that bob yeah it was insane so um a lot of the videos that i fished in past years or a lot of the videos you've seen me fishing in the past years were on the bodies of water that flooded and what's really cool and it's sad at the same time is like i hate one of the lakes that ended up getting flooded but for some reason the week prior to the flood i went out and fished that lake and actually had a pretty decent day so it was cool to like have that and have that film that moment i appreciate it yeah like i finally had success and i'm like damn i'm gonna go back out there and catch some more fish and then i flooded but insane yeah so all right so uh Last last call for hair jig questions, and then we're going to move on from hair jigs. 
Yeah, we'll talk about Rod just really quick. Yeah, let's talk about the setup. What do you like for um, I mean, like your Rod reel, braid, fluoro, like the whole thing? Rod, I'm throwing a lot of times with the hair jig, I don't need a super sensitive rod. Like a lot of times they'll just bite it and your rod will load up. So I'm throwing like a 7.6 medium light or like a light rod and pretty much fast. Like a 7.6 medium light fast is a great rod. And then real. Um, like a five or six speed reel doesn't have to be crazy a three thousand you want a big reel though three or four thousand yeah. yeah you want a bigger reel and the reason for that is it helps that line come off a lot easier than like your smaller two thousand or twenty five hundred reels um, and then lighter line really 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 does make a difference when you're trying to cast something that weighs three thirty second of an ounce like having eight or ten pound test braid is as heavy as you want to go and then five or six or maybe eight pound floor cut how long a floral leader do you like for your hair? Dude? I played with a longer leader in my brain. It was like, don't help it come off the reel better. But the problem I had was it would jump ahead of the bait. So I run like maybe, I don't know, an arm's length, so like 60 inch leader, mm-hmm. just enough to get inside the, the guides. And then when I cast, it sort of shoots out pretty straight. So nothing crazy. 60 to like six feet to 10 feet. Sure. So basically one or two rod lengths. <clears throat> like yeah. you don't really want to go on into your reel much. No, not too no. much. Um, yeah. Which I'm, is interesting. I'm the same. Like I like a Dobbins, like one or two power rod. I think you want at least a seven foot, seven, two, seven, four, seven, six, even better. Yeah. A big reel, eight to 10 pound braid, six to eight pound floral leader. Yeah. I'm same all hundred percent. Same thing. What's up, Sean? Sean. Yo, yo, yo. Sean Lai, the man. Um, so yeah, that's, that's uh hair jigs. So what else that early pre-spawn before spawn, what are some of your other, like as things are warming up, we're getting into the fifties. We're not quite spawning. Like what's, what, what are your tricks? What do you like to do? Like, what's I got your- really big on a, um, this duo jerk bait bite last year. Like this seemed like a bait that I was just throwing a ton, dude, the 100 size. So it's a little bit smaller than some of the other jerk baits, but it's a really, really round body jerk bait. So it flashes a ton. Um, I don't know what it is. I just had a ton of confidence in it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing again is basically worming a lipless crankbait. So whether that's that duo that we talked about earlier or the LB 500, like it's just a bait that I have a lot of confidence in. Um, when those fish are before they're like up on the break, when they're in that deeper water, kind of acting weird, warming a, a lipless crankbait, and what that You're means like, is just dragging it, like dragging it slow hop, really small hops, not like snapping it. You're just kind of like right, right, and it can get some really really big bites, especially on like natural lakes where those fish get kind of weird, like glacial natural lakes. They're off that first break. You find some sort of isolated grass patch or sand in the middle of a mud flat. Um, that's where I'm going to be basically doing that. Nice. Uh, <laughs> what uh, rod do you throw your jerk baits on? Logan wants to know. So I'm a little bit weird. Uh, I throw it on a seven. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Wait, I have to tell you. Um, I throw it on a seven foot cranking rod. It has a really short handle, though. For me, like, Having a short handle is important. I don't want to get caught up in my arm, in my armpit, but I want to be able to make a long cast. So instead of going 
like a six, six or six, nine, I go seven foot. Um, it's got a snappy tip to it and really that's it. Yeah. Something else as well. Similar for me. I use a Dobbin 704 crankbait, the graphite version. Yep. Or the, yeah. Um, yep. Sean gets around the streams a little bit, but we appreciate Sean. Um, well, I do beat held ass fantasy fishing for sure. As long as they'll have me, <clears throat> I guess I got, I got to reach out to my boy, Ronnie and make sure I'm still a pundit next year for fantasy fishing. So assuming, assuming they'll have me, I, I plan to be back uh, doing the Bassmaster fantasy again. You play fantasy fishing at all? Do, like, do you follow this? I know you're not a big tournament guy. Do you follow the tournaments at all? Oh, man. Always- I follow the tournaments a lot, which is very odd, but for me, it's more so like to learn what they're doing. I love to watch those guys. They're insane. You're not so much watching the standings as much as you want to see what the guys that made the final day are doing. Yeah. And or- even so a little bit of backstory on me last year, I followed around some guys on the FLW tour doing some photos and video stuff for them. Okay. Some um, videography. And yeah, okay. What it showed me is there is an insane amount to learn from even the middle of the, like the oh, middle sure. finishers at a tournament. So like what the difference is between a guy that finished in 50th and a guy that finished in 10th is like this much. Right. Like it's so small. So even like just an ounce of information from those guys is insane. Yeah. I've actually had a handful of guests on the live stream of guys that not necessarily didn't have the tournaments they wanted to have uh, in the seasons they wanted to have and broke down like, you know, what were those things where like you were going in, you had good tournaments. Like I know we talked to like uh, Destin Demarion early in the season and we talked to Bob Downey and early in the year, neither one of them had the elite season that they wanted. We really like went into like that, like nuance of like, you know, like it was this close. Even Austin Felix, I think he came on the second two seasons in and like he ended up almost winning England of the year, but in the beginning of the year, he was like, so. Uh, Dude, Austin Felix is like ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. I think he gets overlooked, but he is so good. I don't think it'll be long. He won't be getting overlooked after this season. So, um, Sean asks, do you ever start downsizing your jerk baits at all? And if so, when, what? Not I mean, really. The one you showed was a pretty small jerk bait. That was a size. Yeah. I don't have my jerk bait box. So, the 100 size is a little bit smaller jerk bait. Most of my jerk baits are right around this size. My biggest thing mm-hmm. is the, the sides on my jerk bait. So, as things get colder, I'll go to a flatter side jerk bait, something that's not going to roll as much and flash as much. Um, like this right here, mm-hmm. which is the, the shadow wrap. But I'll fish like a pointer 78. I'll fish uh, the Dabiki 90 Abyss. So a little bit smaller, but I'm not going like significantly smaller. You know how you talked about the Vixen, no confidence and can't catch them? That's the shadow yeah. wrap for me. Really, I can't I, like I. Th- I could throw a, a, a one ten and catch him, and switch to a mega or a shadow app and not catch him. Like catch walleyes. Like I don't know. Like you know what's really weird is I had zero confidence in the shadow wrap until I saw my buddy like smashing me, and Alex was throwing a vixen, or excuse me, a one ten. Sure. <clears throat> and so I picked up a shadow wrap and started catching them. But until then, I had to realize like I have to throw them in a spinning rod to get them like to effectively fish that bait. Yeah, I, I won't do that. So, uh, I mean, I'll throw a spinning rod for drop shot and meds and that kind of stuff, but I ain't throwing it for drop Yeah, but for a jerk so, bait, it's very right. weird. Like, this the is change a question. It's weird. Have you tried a chartreuse head on your hair jigs? No. 
Have you played no. around with it for like neds and grubs and stuff? It ned rigs. I think no, it I'm makes say, for like for like jig worms and stuff and ned rigs. I do play around. I will buy them yes. or paint my own heads, and I do think both largies and smallies that can be a thing. But I've never. That's an interesting idea. A little dot of chartreuse on a black. That might be something. My buddy actually smashes. Like, there's days where we'll both fish pretty like similar, and he'll have a little bit of chartreuse in his hair jig, and I won't. And then there's days she just ruins me. Like, it's not even funny. I did. We didn't show that. I don't have any of this, but I did. If you go back and watch Ben's uh, hair jig video, a lot of his hair jigs have like one or two strands of tinsel in them. Yeah, like purple or silver. Yeah. He ties, so he ties one with, and it has a like chartreuse, like it's actual marabou. Right. But I'll just have like a, a flash of chart, like two strands of chartreuse tinsel on mine. So that's and it, there's probably like one day out of the year where he'll smash me, but that one day is, you know. But no, I just want to touch on one thing there. So for Ned Rigs, I think it makes a big difference, especially like early in the year. I've seen it make a difference in the springtime. Later in the year, I don't know if it does, but it's one of those things I have them in my box. This could go back to that conversation you had with Alex about fish not seeing as well when the water's cold. Yeah, that's kind of like, I was like walking my dog going, like my ears are just turning. <laughs> that's where my brain went. When like that came out of my, yeah. my mouth, I was like, oh, shoot. I just, Alex, like literally just had this conversation with me. But, like, through the spawn, I've seen it make a difference, especially, like, looking at them on beds. Other than just, like, me visually being able to see it, I feel like those fish will commit to it a little bit easier, um, maybe sometimes, than a green head or a white head on a net. Yeah, I've also heard a baby blue can be really good. <clears throat> like a real pale blue, which I've makes sense. Because that, that makes I, bought sense. Some, I bought some Sally Hansen and baby blue to try it. I just never got around to painting them up to try it. Um, but it makes sense because blue is one of the things that keeps its color through the darkest and deepest water colors, like a black yeah, and blue jig, right? It's super interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> which also, when you guys are talking about that, and I was like, well, maybe that's why red jerk or red square bills and red lipless and red jackhammers works well in the spring. It's coming out of that cold water, and they're not like seeing well yet, and it's just like they can see it and they can find it. Yeah, and it's just so bright and bold, and it's like. You know. All right. Um, either of you, you see that video? What? Are, are you one ten freak? Do you like a one ten a lot? Uh, I mean, like, I'm not a huge jerk bait guy, but if I'm gonna throw a jerk bait, uh, and especially if it's gonna be a tournament, it's gonna be a one ten probably, unless I yeah. see something otherwise. Yep. Um, I mean, they're expensive, but like. Also, I don't lose. I mean, even we fish natural lakes with pike. I don't lose that many. Like, no. I mean, dude, I fished this all spring, like all fall, and I've not lost it. There, there's like so much hook rash, and it's been beat up. So I don't really lose a lot of jerk baits. Yeah, but I think you can't go wrong with a, a one ten. Um, we see the video about using deep diving jerks. And wood and the lip to snag less. Yeah, I did see that in one of the interviews on one of the streams on something. He was talking about using the deeper diving jerk baits, but not necessarily to fish deeper, but the bigger lip acted like the way he explained it was like a square bill jerk bait. So it would come off cover better. So he was not necessarily to fish deeper, but he could fish through cover better with a jerk bait using a deep diving bill. That's crazy. Like I remember I didn't, that was one of those tournaments that was so late in the year. I'm like, ah. Oh. 
sort of like tired of tournaments. But Alex basically told me I had to tune in. I didn't really watch it that closely. That's interesting, dude. Yeah. And like playing with hook side. Like the other thing he did that was super interesting is he's using a three hook jerk bait. But he was still wanted to spend. So we'll get to those questions, E Fish. So come but so instead of throwing three like number sixes, he went to two number fives. Or not no, or wait, like two number fours or two number threes. So he just skipped the middle hook. But two of those bigger hooks weighed the same as three of the smaller ones. But he felt on Lake Fork, if he was going to catch a seven-pounder, he had a better chance landing him on two big hooks versus three little ones. Dude, like, that is such an insane bit of detail. There's a tactical video where they, like, weigh the, the hooks and the split rings and everything. And I, there, there was one time where I was like, yes, it makes an absolute difference. But what we were doing is so much different. Like, we were sinking a jerkbait to get it really deep. Right. But... That is such an insane level of detail. Yeah, I mean, I've like played around with like adding an extra split ring to the front one to get a little extra depth, but that's about as crazy as I've got. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like I'm a very like seat of my pants sort of fisherman, and I think I'm a very logical fisherman where A plus B should typically equal, you know, C. But I don't know. That's like a totally different level of crazy, <laughs> smart crazy. Yeah. Um, do you think megabytes are worth the money? Yes and no. I think I think there's a lot of good jerk baits that are, if not as good, or get you pretty close. And especially if you're a, but it all depends on like how much value you put in to your fishing and how valuable is your time and do you want your bait to work. I don't think it's crazy, you know, out of line for a twenty dollar jerk bait if it catches you fish and you have confidence in it. It's a good bait. Um, I mean, I'd rather buy. A twenty-five dollar jerk bait that I know works really well than a new jerk bait that costs seven dollars and I don't not sure if it's going to catch fish or not. Like, yeah, I remember like <clears throat> even even five years ago, like there was a bigger price discrepancy between like mega bass and a medium like range jerk bait. Now you're talking eight or nine dollars, sometimes ten dollars for a standard jerk bait. I mean, yes, it's big. It's a lot of difference, but at the same time, if you're buying two of those jerk baits to one mega bass i think the one time a mega bass maybe really shines is when you really need a true suspending bait in cold water yeah. if you're like i would say i'm just guessing like for smallies which is the main focus tonight most of the time you're actually working it pretty fast you're trying to get reaction right like 80 to 90 percent of the year you're just like smashing it quick pause, smashing it, quick pause, right? You're trying to get elicit a reaction strike. During that time of the year, I think a duo, a lucky strike, uh, a bunch of, you know, a, a lucky craft, a bunch of bunch of rip baits, trick baits work really well. When you're at that 48 to 52 degrees and you really need that bait to suspend and sit perfect and horizontal, that's probably when the Mega Bass is worth the most money. Yep. And, and their stuff is so highly engineered to the point where, like, they have an ice slide that will sink at a certain, like, water temp. It'll suspend at a certain, like, they have baits so highly engineered, it's not just taking a bait and molding it with the same body shape, hoping it does the same thing. It's yeah. insane. Um, so this is a good question. <clears throat> uh, fish yeah. is a bunch of natural lakes in the Northeast, which I don't think they're much different than our natural lakes. 
uh, Michigan and Minnesota based on me following the turn. I've never fished in New York or Maine, but based on what I've seen, they look very similar. Uh, he says he does well on largies, but can't necessarily find smallies in these lakes, but they know he has them. What are your thoughts on like, what would you suggest? I'm looking like, I, first thing that came to mind was Champlain. I've been there like three times now. The biggest thing I'm looking for is some sort of offshore cover, whether that's rock, whether that's a bottom contour change, or whether that's, um, I guess those are my two main ones. And then the other is current. So like fishing bridges and pilings and uh, Champlain in particular, you have this these flow-throughs where a lot of these fish will move up on this bridge. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly, exactly. And so I'm looking for current and I'm looking for offshore cover structure where these um, bait fish and things will hang out. Yeah. I would say the other thing that I see on some lakes in Minnesota, natural, is the smallies will get a little shallower than you think. <clears throat> if you can find sand flats and gravel flats, like sometimes they'll get in the just grossest looking, awful looking stringy grass. And it looks like nothing. But if there's perch in those lakes and they get on them flats, you might find a lot of fish in like three to eight feet of water on do look. I mean, if you're used to fishing for largemouth, this will look like do nothing cover. Like looks yes. like scrap. That's another like sneaky place to look for smallies on natural lakes, depending on the forage. That's, uh, a, that's a, that's a great, great, great point too. Uh, super shout out to Sean live for the super chat. Thanks. He says, thanks for having Ben on. Appreciate it, Sean. You don't have to do that, but it's always appreciated. Um, Let's see here. We got a couple one uh, tens. We talked about. Uh, we talked about we uh, drop shotting here. Ben says he's dabbled with it. Not a confidence thing for him yet. I've never tried it. Um, Thirty two dollars for a Vision one ten in Canada. Is that Canadian dollars or real money? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, uh, Sean, he super chatted, so we'll make sure we answer his question here. What is the dominant pattern on Lake Michigan? I don't know. Lake Michigan's so tough. Like that lake has my number all year long. Like Traverse City kills me up there. Yeah, and he's and he's mostly bank fishing, which is even more frustrating. I'm guessing. That's yeah, so tough, dude. Although he said the Illinois State record was caught off the bank last year in Chicago. Yeah, it was on a net rig. There you go. That dude. Uh, let's go, Visor Gang. That's right. No, he's how'd, you, how'd you decide to rock the visor? Well, well, how long ago was this? We talked about this. Um, so a normal hat just doesn't fit this, uh, this cranium very well. Like a normal hat, like it just sits like super high and oh. like I had like is right there. Like it's just, yeah, visor cool, works. Visor yeah. works for you. Some hats like this Omni hat actually looks pretty good on me, but yeah. I'm still like topping this bad boy out. Like, but it's like, but like. Most hats are like they're topped out and it's like just not good. So I don't know. Like, and there's a lot of advantage, and I, I got videos on why the visor is so <laughs> a dominant force. Um, in the summer, it's it's cooler, especially if you're as long as you're not lacking coverage up here, that's a problem. But as long as you have hair, then you got you get airflow. Um, I would, when you're running, I would be so screwed. Yeah, like that's that's a, uh, when you go to like go down the lake, you just throw this bad boy over the shifter. Mm-hmm. Like super easy, or if you if you're a co, you throw it over your elbow and grab the oh shit bar. Like there's a lot of advantages to the visor and its uh, versatility. And, and like when you wear shades, you tuck them right in here, right? Like 
oh. versus putting them out here where they just like fly off if you like forget right or turn your head when you're going on the lake or look over the right you tuck them in they're there when you're not wearing them so that's there's uh, a lot of advantages there i never thought of that i mean i'd never be able to pull it off but no chad's got it right my head's mostly too big um uh <laughs> yeah so he's got a man bun so i think the visor and a man bun is a perfect win-win like so yeah. if you got if a favorite hand con, you're a, a huge supporter of live streams in the channel if you want me to make you one you send me the hat i will customize it and send it back to you as a visor because for, for that we're good dude i'll tell you what if i had long hair that would be just so you're just like you just just the flow off of, oh man it would like have it come out where it like actually covers part of the visor Kind of like uh, Cliff Perch does that a little bit. The Golden Ram, he's got. He'll let it kind of like, or Bernie Schultz, he'll kind of let it like peel yeah. over. I'm not quite. I can't, I'm not good at that, but um. <laughs> uh, nice. All right, uh, got a good visor brand recommendation. No, I just uh, I like it's so much it, in the fishing industry. It's so easy to get a decent free hat. Like they give them away at sports shows. You buy a reel, you get a hat. You buy a rod, you get a hat. You buy whatever you walk down an expo you get a hat you just make your own like why buy it? you just cut that one off yeah that's this is oh dang i didn't know that. I didn't yeah know. all my that way. like I, I guess this is one of the few that i have that's an actual visor is this old school bassmaster one i love that dude that is like that reminds me of the college like those college shirts yeah so this one i uh the reason i have this visor is because I fished as a co on Amistad when they still had co's in the Elite Series. And uh, one of the rules is when you go across the stage, you have to have a bass shield in a tournament. Gotcha. So I bought this at the trailer because I didn't have, like, so like, it's either that or, like, wear, a, like, a yellow. Like, they gave, like, a free yellow Bassmaster. I mean, like, that made this thing look, <laughs> I mean, like, this thing is very basic, but it was, like, like the like the old cereal box is like yellow, like yeah. cereal. Yeah. Like it was like a yellow hat that said Bassmaster, like just like Yeah. No. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna grab this visor, I'll wear this in the tournament. So that's that's my memoir from uh, that Amistad tournament. So that's an awesome story, dude. And I actually fished uh, I practiced with Remitz, and that was the tournament he won. So oh. I got to see what he was doing before he even won it. Um and then I fished with uh Glenn DeLong, who didn't have a good tournament. And then I fished second day I fished with Takahiro Amari, which was really that's cool. And then third day with Jason Quinn Hardware. Dude, I remember Jason Quinn. He was when he was sponsored by like what Evan. I'm pretty like, having some health issues right now. That's sad. That dude, that's so terrible. I feel like my visor is a little like the stream makes you really like realize your hat's not. Yeah, I know. Like I keep checking my hat, and I'm like, uh, uh, advice, advice for, for a co-angler. That's a great question, dude. The biggest thing is a co. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into bass fishing. Um, biggest thing with co-angler for me as a co-angler is try to take in. Yes. <laughs> throw a net rig. <laughs> throw a net rig all day, all the time. Um, and the other thing is really just be, I hate to say this, it makes me sound like a jackass, but like it is really a learning experience most of the time. Go in with the right mental frame to begin with. Yes. Exactly. Going to learn if you catch fish and cash a check, that's the cherry on top. Yeah. Because there's going to be days where the unfortunate reality is your boater may not be on like the right 
school of fish. So be willing to fish areas they're not fishing, one. And two, just understand like you're there to hopefully learn from the person. In front and you of can them. learn from what they do well and what from didn't what doesn't work for them. Um, the and I think I would say taking it a little bit further, there's some really good if uh, Chad Smith was on Bass University maybe six months ago in a co-show. Go find that show. It's really awesome. But uh, you're always around some kind of fish. Even when your boater's not catching them, there's opportunities. Like you said, you may be fishing in the middle of a gut or throwing at wheat clumps while he's fishing docks or something. Like, Be aware. Take your opportunities. I think you need to fish. Know when to fish different or when fish similar as your boater. Um have a finesse technique that you're super confident, whether that's a Ned rig, whether that's a drop shot, whether that's a shaky head, one of those three got to be your like secret weapon, like whichever one of those, like that's got to be like your fallback, right? Something like that. And then, uh, you know, if he's throwing a square bell, like either you need to slow down and pitch behind him, or maybe you can, it seems like that's really a horizontal deal. You throw a spinner bait or a swim jig or a chatter bait. Like rarely is he so on him that you're going to want to throw the exact same thing in the same orientation that they are. That's such good advice, dude. And I forgot about Chad Smith. That immediately made me think of Justin Lucas, who obviously yeah. is like one of the best. Which back in the day, I guess that add to that Nico rig, that could be your fourth option. He dominated as a co with a Nico rig 20 years ago. Yeah. And like, dude, it just being, so being able to effectively fish and pick apart water that you might consider dead water is such a good tech, like such a good, um, I guess skill to be able to have to even out of the front of the boat. Uh, anything on the horizon of pure fishing or temple fork we should know about. Um, temple forks coming out with some new rods and actually going back to the hair jig thing. I can't say a ton, but we prototyped, oh, <laughs> we prototyped a hair jig rod that will be coming out next year at ICAS. Nice. Uh, how long do you think it'll take co-anglers to start bringing their own live scope? Uh, I actually saw that in one of my like group chats today in Instagram. And uh, I don't know how over well that, like if you're going to bring your own live scope, the thing of the co-angler, like if the boater says it's time to go, you better have your stuff packed up in about 15 seconds. So if you're going to have a system, it better be really portable and you better really, um, I don't think it's needed honestly as a co, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, I assume there will be some that we pushing the budget or pushing the envelope. But I just, I wouldn't do it. Um, but yeah, I really want to go back to like the benefits, like what I would personally consider the true benefits of live scope or forward sonar, right? Like for me, like it's just straight. Yeah, mine's not. I've just <laughs> I can't. I like, like, I can't the mirror's the glass is broken. I can't. Like I'm just like ah. Yeah, I know. Um, no, for me, the real benefit is just truly understanding what you're actually throwing at and out of the back of the boat a lot of it's very visual or like trusting yourself like if your boater's casting towards the shore and he's bank fishing like trust yourself to throw out towards the break or out towards you know hopefully there's a grass clump i don't think it's necessary either yeah i think also like a lot of times if they leave the side scan on you can see a lot with side scan um and also the the down sonar like there's like when I, that episode I told you about Chad Smith and that there was another gentleman, I don't remember his name out there. They talked a lot about like keeping your eye on that sonar and dropping on fish out of the back of the boat and having a drop shot ready and going with a heavy drop shot. 
taking it down like super fast. Um, so I, I really don't think I'm sure there will be some, but I don't think it's really needed. Um, and another thing when you're fishing like a great lakes or St. Clair or a smallmouth body of water and your boater is like dropping on individual boulders, your boater can't troll and you technically can't troll, but if he's moving and he's looking for another boulder and you have your drop shot out and it you just, just happens. Over one. Yeah. Like there's always, there's always yeah, there's so many fish straight out the back of the boat. <laughs> yes. Um, and what they talked about is like, if you like smallies have a pretty, sometimes have a pretty big strike zone and some of these boulders are pretty big. Yeah. If, they were talking about if, if he's using a quarter ounce drop shot and you see him start to drop and you have a half ounce, if you just drop straight down by the seat, like not <laughs> yeah. like where he is, but if you drop it, your bait will get down that much faster. Sometimes that fish will come over and grab your bait before his bait even gets down. Yeah. That's real too, dude. Like, or having the ability to drop, when you're fishing like for smallmouth where fish are schooled right. you catch the fish that are there that he's not physically able to catch. And if you see them come to the boat and then disappear, a lot of times them fish will go under the boat. So just fish under the boat. A lot of times them fish are sitting right under the boat. Yeah. They this just think it's great, like a big, big, like swim. Such time. a great topic dude, because like there's so many times even when I'm fun fishing where I can't physically get another bait out to catch the, the followers. Yeah. You just fish under the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, smallies and weeds. Yes. Yes. Especially post spawn. I love to try and catch them like out of weed beds. I look for weed beds when they're around perch schools. There's just so, I, if there's good green grass, smallmouth will be in the grass. Especially they typically if want to have some rock or sand or gravel near it. Not so much a lot of times if it's mucky or like largemouth don't need as much hard bottom, but typically if there's harder bottom in the lake, you'll find the grass around those or the smallies around those grass in the weeds. And a lot of times it's not like in the <clears throat> my middle. Reese, my Reese is bothering me. <clears throat> <laughs> Mine's 10 and she moves around. She's, she's my baby, but she's not as small as your baby. Dude. Now she's giving me the evil eye. It's funny because when you have a kid, I, I was always like, man, I, I don't know that I really want to have a kid. Changes everything. Yeah. But no, going back to the grass, um, a lot of times I'm not fishing like in the middle of a grass patch. I'm fishing the current sides or Edges. the back current edge, right? Like, Smallies are way more fish. edge related in the grass yes. than smallies are, <clears throat> for <Yes>. sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um. <clears throat> Um, so that's one thing, like not saying they never get, but typically if they're on the flat, it's because there's a rock making a hole or a stump or a log right. making a clear spot um, <clears throat> in the grass or it's yeah. super sparse. Like they'll definitely get on flats of grass if it's patchy and sparse. Going yes. back to what I was saying earlier about like that perch grass and those sandy, like <clears throat> that's a different, but when if it's thick grass, you can pretty much stick to the edges with smallies. <clears throat> um Cold water bass, lethargic Alabama rig get tossed much. So what is we can get into this. What is your what is the Michigan rule on rigs and hooks and arms so and teasers and technically it's a six hook regulation. So you're oh. allowed to have six hooks. So almost no regulation whatsoever. Right. Virtually <laughs> no regulation. Like no, but I'm I'm normally throwing like a seven wire rig with five hooks. That's just where I can get us to balance the best. And I mm-hmm. feel like it gives it a giant presentation. So what 
So since you can throw real rigs a lot of the time, uh, I guess two part inland and Great Lakes, if it makes a difference, when and why do you like rigs for smallies in Michigan? I'm not great with an A rig. Like there's guys that bust them. In on 2020, it. you were going to get better with it. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, that was my goal. Uh, <laughs> going back to the kid thing. <laughs> no, it's funny though. Like that was my goal. Um, I do think I became better than I was. Like I did learn to throw it and I learned about some other A-rigs with more flexible arms that kind of give the bait more lifelike. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it's, there's two types of rigs. You're going with a big A-rig that you want to imitate a big school of bait fish, like a seven wire, or you're going with a lighter wire finesse style A-rig with like 2.8 and Mm -hmm. 3.3. And that is more of like a swim or like a, a spinner bait. Right. right. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of application fishing around grass that comes like three or four foot below the surface and you fish it above the grass for smallmouth that are kind of just roaming the grass like we just talked about. So, I mean, I'm not great with it. For me, it's a very specific approach. So Is there certain times of the year? Like, do you think it's better? A lot of times it's fall. Fall? Fall for me. Okay. Um, when they're on a spinner bait or when they're on a swim bait and when they're grouped up, it's a great technique, but I feel like it busts them up really fast. Right. You're going to draw. Like when you start you're gonna, catching, you're pulling the school a lot. Yeah. Sure. And Minnesota, one hook. So at that point, is there even a real benefit to throw? Well, there is. Like, so at certain times of the year, we have the Minnesota rig. I'm going to pull it up. What is this? Is it like- it's, it's got a lot of blades on it. Um, let me... Uh, yeah, just a second. Give me a second. But you can, while I'm pulling up the minister, you can answer Sean's question about cranking. Um, great question. Craw patterns for cranking. Do you like cranking in the winter? Um, cranking in the winter is a weird... It's a weird thing. So I've had really, really good days, but a lot of times that's when the water is warming. So it's like your water temps are in the 40s, but you have a sunny day. The water is warm. These fish are in shallow water. And a lot of times it's very different than like speed cranking. It's like you get that bait to bottom and you just crawl it. So you're you're getting that bait down. A lot of times I'm throwing a bait that's going to dive a little bit deeper than I really want, would normally throw and it baits hitting bottom, and it's just crawling along. So just turning the handle, keeping it touching bottom, and crawling it in front of their faces. Whereas during the fall, when they're really, really grouped up, I'm going to have that bait off the bottom, and I'm just going to have it moving pretty quick. So winter cranking for me is a lot like slow rolling a spinnerbait or something. The Minnesota rig. It's like a giant spinner bait, dude. Yeah. So it's basically almost like the old what they call those with the like five blades or the four blades in line. I forget the yep. little uh Strike King made them. I forget those spinner baits what they were. Oh yeah, and Biovex made one where it had like seven blades on it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like this, but they're in a spread or an array around. Um so at times this can be good in Minnesota. Um that's super interesting. Uh, Hog farmer stuff is so good too, dude. Hog farmer makes some phenomenal. Like bait. Minnesota, you just throw the this thing, the uh, 
the meat rake with all the hooks and all of the. <laughs> Actually, this one only looks like it's got two. That's not even a. That's the mop. There's got to be a, a three wire, five wire. The harvester. <laughs> Dude, the harvester. Caleb brought some harvesters up. And it is like enormous, man. Like I have three of those sitting in my garage and we told Caleb, I'm like, Bass Quest, I have no clue when I would throw this thing. So you just in Michigan you can just put a dummy up here and put jig heads on all the rest of them. Yeah, exactly. Or if you really want to get crazy, one thing he does is he cuts those two bottom um, cuts those off, uses them as a brush guard, and he'll fish them around cover that way. Okay. I suppose you could put dummies on them too. Yeah, you could do that as well. Yeah. So like, so here's we talked about this with uh, uh, Pangrack two weeks ago. We were talking about this. You got so you can fish six six hooks, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is it typically one or two, almost one, they almost eat the same one all the time, don't they? It's yeah. A lot of times it's the same one. It's the but middle when, one or the big one or the bottom one or yeah or like if one gets torn. It could be like they're going and they're always hitting the same one. But like if one of those baits gets torn and it is running a little bit different, they'll like switch up on which one they key and then it'll mm-hmm. continuously be on the same the other same one. So it's really interesting. Yeah. It's like they always want to pick out the different one, the lame one, the yeah. the bright one, the small one, the big one, something like um and another thing that we played around with, and my buddy Nathan is a lot better with the rig than I am now is he'll play with like bait colors. He'll have like four different bait colors. And when he figures out which one they'll key on, he'll like add an extra one to his rig. Or like he'll play around with like different size heads or different like different styles of swim baits to figure out what they want to key on, especially when you're just fun fishing or trying to practice for a tournament um, until you get dialed into a certain thing. Like he had an event where they would always hit the one with the purple on it. So then he added a second purple one, and they would always hit like one of the two with the purple one. Yeah. So but the other thing is like, or you can play around with it and then figure out, and then you put that one in the center. Yep. And then if they miss it, then you can just grab them with all the other ones that when they slash at it. <laughs> exactly. And then you get them hooked in the side, and they like come up, and you're like, "Oh my yeah. god, it's a giant!" And, and it's, it's like, like fourteen inch. Yeah. yeah. You ever thought about a small, small putting on? Do you put on tournaments, Ben? No, but this is a crazy question. So when I first started the YouTube thing, I started a group called Bass Centric with a kid named Kobe Pellerito and uh, Tom Westoff. And we Kobe did this is, thing. Uh, he's, uh, he's a phenomenal fish, cameraman. Fish, is that Fishwick? Or, oh, no, that's uh, not, no, yeah, he's, no, with Feather, he's with Featherwick. Featherwick, yeah. Um, yeah. But we started this thing called Bass Centric. Basically, the whole idea was like just this group of bass fishermen minded people and we do those we'd have like fishing tournaments something i'd like to do i just it's hard logistically right it's up to horse yeah thank uh, you guys for watching i really i mean there's been so much good interaction quad shad yes that's what i was thinking of gabe thank you um two hooks in illinois three in missouri five in kentucky there's like Two five Illinois. lakes. There's like five, seven lakes in Illinois. You can use five. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I'm almost to some degree glad that they're not so popular in tournaments because it is the biggest pain in the rear to manage an A rig 
when you're trying to fish other like if it's if it's the deal and you only need one or two rods in the deck and they're both a rigs it's fine but if you're trying to like rotate an a rig and use it and like try to manage it and put it in the rob uh, it's just can you imagine if like the only thing they were biting was a a rig and a drop shot and you had to have those two on the deck at the same time <laughs> you remember when the a rig like really came out on gunnersville yeah, and guys right. were like still trying to figure like guys had no clue what they were doing and they had like three rigs on the deck throwing them on eight foot flipping sticks like dude that would have been a nightmare <laughs> yeah i don't know do you think winter bass want bigger baits or finesse <clears throat> that's a great question i typically I just want to get bites when it's cold. Sure. And I think like I can weed through and catch bigger fish with smaller baits. But I've seen, sure. I mean, I know guys that throw five inch paddle tails on the back of a three quarter ounce head and just drag it. So. Kincaid, can you say I've ever been there, Rich? I have not. Where is that at? Uh, Kincaid, right? No, Kincaid's in Illinois. Okay. I feel like it's West Central Illinois. Not super far from St. Louis, I don't think. What rod do you throw your A-rig on? I throw mine. I probably overpower it, but I throw it on a 8-foot, well, it's a 710 swim-based specific rod. Um, but it's very moderate, so it's actually kind of light. Yeah, I don't have a dedicated because we don't throw, they're so rare to use them and we can't use super big rigs. When I was down at Wilson Lake a month ago and I ad hoc, I used a 735 Dobbins. That was probably a little undermanned. Uh, you probably want a 7.6 more. You want a little more length, a little more. Um, so that's what I would. Uh, a flipping stick's not a bad choice. Or a really big crankbait rod, like a deep dive crankbait rod is also a pretty good choice. Yeah, like a 710. Yeah. Looks like you can use four hooks in Ontario if there were fish there. Good point. Um, do you ever have success with large? What maybe? What are when? I know we talked a little bit about glide baits, but are there ever scenarios where you like big baits for smallies in general? Like whether that's big plastics, big spinner baits, big crankbaits. Like what? <clears throat> Big crankbaits and off-colored water. So, like, that's what I'm going to throw my Normans. That's what I'm going to throw even, like, a C-15, which from Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a bigger body, 15-foot diving crankbait. It just puts off a lot more vibration, and it draws fish to that bait. So, like, that's really my main time that I'm going to throw, like, a bigger bait is when they're trying to find – like, I'm trying to get fish to find that bait. Or a lot of times – Big or top water, water. Right. <laughs> exactly. Big top exactly. waters, especially on uh, inland and rivers. I don't know about Great Lakes, but like, um, the, do you hear much about top waters being a big player on like St. Clair and the Great Lakes? Not really. The Mayfly Hatch was like the one time a year where you see it, and that's like a popper or a um, or a shower blow style bait, right? Just something that isn't super intrusive and you'll throw yeah. it around those mayfly slicks but but you're not typically throwing yeah. the big shower blows the big fixins the big one knockers on the great lakes right? no not not a lot it might be i bet you there's a window in the fall <clears throat> maybe but i've tried to force it 
But again, man, like I'm sure you can. I just think there's more effective approaches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like a big spinnerbait probably crushes more so on the big waters than the big top water. And you know what's funny is I've never had like a banner day on a spinnerbait. I think, again, it's because of when I got into bass fishing, but like I have some spinnerbaits and I've caught a lot of smallmouth on spinnerbaits, mm-hmm. but I've never been like, this is the best approach all the time. I, like, I, I can't say that I've had many times I've hit the window. I mean, I, I've caught fish on them. But I've got some buddies that love spinnerbaits, and they're like, oh, man, up on the lax last week. We <laughs> I go up there next weekend and can't catch it. Couldn't buy a bite of a spinnerbait. Dude, same. <laughs> same so much. Yeah, so Carbondale, Illinois is where Kincaid is. Okay. Um, so just while we're uh, – I want to throw this up here while we're – so just if you guys haven't, like, checked out Ben's channel or Benjamin, if we're going to be formal – uh, yeah. You can see there's a lot of smallmouth content by his stuff. What is this? Uh, that I don't know what that is. It must have been a bycatch. No, that was when I got into tournaments for like four weeks. It looks like your your buddy caught it. it doesn't even look like you caught it. <laughs> yeah, that probably makes sense. Um, but uh, a little bit of bait making, a lot of smallmouth. Well, you started a second channel for bait making. You're dabbling. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, if you want, like, he's got a ton of great content that goes deep uh, for smallies. So, uh, I definitely, if you guys are new to Ben's content, definitely give him a shot. Check things out. You can see here, here's that that purple that I was telling you about and the hair yeah. jig right there. Yeah. Um, so, lots of cool stuff. And you can see he's fishing a lot of that super clean, beautiful water in Michigan. A lot of his, his thumbnails. So, good stuff. So, I just want to shout that out. Follow Thank you. Uh, like Ben, like myself, still works a day job to get by. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've heard people Mega Bass Okashira Screwhead. Great question. Versus regular. Um, great question. I don't have a good answer for you. I wish I did. It's a bait that. You haven't dabbled or have you used it at all? Or? I've dabbled. Um, I just don't know when it really shines. Like it's one of those baits, Tom and Kobe throw it, smash them on it. I don't know when it would shine in my arsenal. Like when are they really smashing them on it? I don't know. It's it, a lot of them are made really small sizes too. It's like a sixteenth and an eighth ounce head. So obviously it's more of a shallow water presentation. It's probably the same time you'd be throwing a, a fly. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, so we didn't talk about, I mean, like, let's maybe run through some. We're getting, getting a little long. Why don't we run through a few? So, like, Ned rigs. You pour your own yep. Ned rigs, right? Yep. Uh, what, like, are you, like, an eighth, a 330? I think you're a 332nd guy. I, I throw, I actually throw a lot of larger Ned rigs. Like, heavier? Until just recently. So, like, I was throwing, like, a quarter a lot because I'm, like, just get it on bottom and drag it around. But especially, like, over the past six months, eight months, I've become, like, a lighter Three thirty second ounce kind of guy. An eighth is too light. Three thirty second, or other way around. An eighth or a three thirty second. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you ever play around with like the shapes, like the cross, or do you like the sticks, or like that's so mainly it's a either a flat worm, a hit worm, or or a hula sticks. But like there's a small window that I like 
around that 55 to 60 degree range where I really like the craw. Okay. Yeah, for me, like, I'm a big, like, hula stick and tickler Z. I guess I grabbed all hula sticks. I didn't grab my, but, like, the, the tickler Z and the hula stick are, like, my favorites. I think it's mentally, for me, I like to see that little bit of action. I don't know if the yes. fish really care, but in my head, that is helps me. There is... There's like zero percent of the time that I would just throw a regular TRD. Okay. I cannot say that I would. I've thrown like a TRD in the past. What about when you pour your own? No, it's so just for show. I poured that color just because, like, <laughs> it was a cool mold. But like, no, for me, I'm like, just give me some sort of movement down there. Right. That's why the hula stick. And Something that kind of looks like a tube. I'm more confident. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yep. Um, uh, you ever you ever play with Maxent on a net rig? Yeah, the hitworm, the hitworm, okay. and even the flatworm. Like the sure. flatworm is really really underrated on a net head, just because it has like kind of a, a gliding movement. Yeah, Gabe, you're gonna have to catch up. We talked about Maxent quite a bit early on, but in short, <laughs> Ben's a big fan. Uh, yeah, you it. listen to the podcast version, uh, you will recover that. Uh, S waivers. A player in small, okay, I've heard of people doing well on them. I don't yeah. think either one of us have really done much. Uh, Whopper Plopper is an underrated. Like, I don't throw it a ton, but it can be really good for smallmouth. It's uh, great in river situations, especially, even? like, I really like the 90 size, like the small size. And mm-hmm. there's, there's like, two rivers that I can think of where I've had success on the Whopper Plopper, and it's always around, like, hardcover, like boat docks or laydowns. Yeah, there's but a guy... That fishes rivers and has a YouTube channel out of North Dakota, like North Dakota Yak or something, and he crushes them on those small ploppers. Yes. Dude, uh, he has great videos too. He smashes them. Uh, I don't watch a lot of it, but I've, I've seen a little bit of it. Uh, I will say in our Minnesota lakes where there's grass, the 110 and 135 work really well for smallies on certain lakes that have perch in them. Hmm. I've never really, like. You can go I've, big, like just I've like a big scoop. I've played yeah. around with like the big whopper ploppers. Yeah, they they just I mean, you know how they hit a big spook and they just come up and just they do the same thing. Yeah. It's just amazing. <laughs> uh, do you ever use tungsten on neds or other bottom contact? No. Or all your own drop shot weights too? Uh, drop shot weights, um, net rig heads, jigs. My big thing is I don't want to lose them. I know there was in Alex's live stream some conversation. I think it makes a difference. Newsflash. Truly, nine like, dude. If I were a tournament fisherman, my mindset would have to change. Like, I just think there's a difference there, but like, I don't want to lose them. And like, you're talking a thirty second or three thirty second ounce head. I don't think the size is super drastic. I'm a big tungsten guy. Really? Yeah. I want to hear this. So here's like this. So actually, Bass Tech, I co-own Bass Tech. Um, but we're coming out with this. I haven't. These are on the website. I haven't really pushed them out yet. But our new drop shot weight, which is a oh, hybrid sweet. between a teardrop and a cylinder. So right. So like I think like I was looking for a, to come up with a drop shot that I felt like I hated having to carry pencils and teardrops and like right because like if I was around yeah. gravel or rocks, I wanted more of a bell shape. If I was in grass, so I really felt like this would be my solution to only have to carry. One, it's got a tie on it. I don't know if you can see that. Like, I hate clips for tungsten. Yep. Like, 
I guess if I was pouring my own lead weights, I'd be fine. Oh, with yeah, I would never, like, ever. Just, it cost me five cents, just like, let's go through them. But tungsten. I would never clip a tungsten weight. I would right. cry. So this is a tie-on with a swivel. And also, I feel like this will double as a free weight for me if I want to play around with free weights or free have you Have you played with it? I haven't really. I've, I've read up on it. I've talked to some people, and I haven't done it. But this is our new. So if you're interested in a high quality. And, and the only color we make is matte black. That's sweet. Because... In my experience, shiny weights, especially when bed fishing, I don't know if you've seen the shiny weights, the fish start looking at the wrong thing. Yes. Uh, and that black takes care of that. And then in, I, know, I know you don't have pike in Michigan. Of course, you have lots of pike. Yeah. Pike love to eat drop shot weights that are shiny. But if they're matte black, there's a much lower chance that a pike's going to eat your tungsten drop shot weight. Dude, I have had fish smash my drop shot weight. Right. I think if you go with a matte black, though, that goes down considerably. Yeah. Um, and then we also have the tungsten neds. Ooh, that looks good too. Look so at we, that bait on there. We made them all weed, weed guard. And my theory there is you can always snip the weed guard off, but you can't put it back on. Mm -hmm. So we only made one version. I'm really big on like minimizing skews to what you really need. Thousand, dude, a thousand percent. I agree with so you. So that's like we've got one size or one kind of drop shot to rule them all, one color, one profile. And same with our, we only make a green pumpkin. <laughs> we don't make any other color. You can paint them yourself, I guess, if you want. We might get into like chartreuse or red or something like that. But I figured there wasn't really a need to have a black and a green pumpkin. Like natural is natural, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. I like to play it. Like tungsten is, I'm big on tungsten. So what's your thoughts on tungsten for bottom contact? I think for me, it's more the feel and the transmissibility of, I don't think yeah, it's necessarily, true. I mean, part of it is the smaller profile sometimes, but for me, it's the bottom contact. It's almost like the same reason I'd want LiveScope or Mega 360 is to know what's going on more. Yep. That makes sense. I mean, for me, I've never really thought of it that way. Again, I'm fishing such a heavy Ned rig. Like if I can't feel it, then I'm an idiot. Right. Right. Like that's just the way I think about it. And but I, I agree because I won't fish anything other than a tungsten bullet. Right. So I get it. Uh, regular TRD slays. Let's see. When you drop shot, like shaking the rod, tapping the rod, slow drag, no action. A lot of times. We, we are like two hours in and we haven't even basically talked to zero about drop shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, drop shotting typically is like, a really really light shake like i'm not trying to get that bait to do a ton especially a lot of times you got to think man you're so connected with that bait like you have to be somewhat connected with your bait it has so much natural action if the boat's moving at all so i don't really need to impart a whole lot with my rod like i'm just trying to move it along the bottom and, and stay in contact or feel it uh <laughs> Charles says, if you smallmouth guide and troll a dozen whopper blocks. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious just to visualize that. Like, just like a sea of whoppers. Dude. <laughs> Sean, uh, I'll, I need to put a Bass Tech discount code, but uh, if you want, I can definitely DM you one. Send me a message on Instagram. Um, 
punch fishing, I will give you a plus 10% code for bass tech if you want. Um, is terminal. Yeah. So I guess what else? Drop shot, like maybe like so Ned Rig drop shot, is that the same rod for you? Same setup? Like is it all braid to floral? Like let's just talk to general like finesse spinning rod setups. Like do you have certain instances where you like straight floral or is it all Yeah, I get really weird. Um I fish the Great Lakes a lot. Okay. So like a lot of my rods are a lot longer than a lot of people would normally fish. <laughs> would, let me rephrase. No. Um Whereas a lot of people like to fish like a six nine drop shot rod, I'm much of the perspective of having like a seven one to seven like a seven foot is as short as I would go on a drop shot. Yeah, rod. same. Um, I really like seven one medium light medium. I don't want anything like super soft, and I don't play fish at all. Like I'm the worst when it comes to this, but I have a fairly loose drag but I want to get that fish to the boat. The less time that fish has to throw my anything, the better. Um, so yeah, seven foot to seven foot three drop shot in that rib rod. So are you like braid to floral? Yeah. Everything Typically, pretty much. Everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, like, 15 or 10 to like eight or six. I know like guys will get really precise and be like, man, you're going to get so many more bites on six. You need, you need a seven pound braid to a yeah. three pound floro. <laughs> it's like whatever you have confidence in. I started fishing Tatsu this year because I had it for my hair jigs and spy baits. So I put it on my drop shot. Does it make a difference? Mm. I don't know, dude. Like these fish are so. It, 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 eight pound Tatsu is stronger than eight pound Invisix, 100%. Yep. Like for sure. Um, and I think like that is the one place that I like, I love the feel of 20 pound tatsu on my jig rod yeah but i'm too cheap to buy it because like i'm gonna re-spool my jig rod once a month at least but i ate a regular eight pound spool of tatsu will last me two years as leader material exactly <laughs> like, dude. like I, I this six pound spool of tatsu is gonna last me so long it's right. insane well you don't lose it or leave it out in the sun or right. do something stupid um I do one thing really weird with my drop shot, though. I run a shorter leader than most guys, and I tie it to a tiny micro swivel. And for mm -hmm. me, um, if you fish a full day with braid to fluoro, I understand, like, in theory, braid doesn't have memory, but fish it with a swivel and then fish it without a swivel, and there is a difference. Like, when you feel, run your hand along the braid, there's a difference. So I, in a tournament setting, I might run, like, a 30-foot leader, to like my my drop shot, but for me, it's about maximizing the length of time I get out of my brain. Yeah, there's definitely scenarios for that for sure. And it kind of depends. Like, are you straight rigging your worm? Are you wacky rigging it? Are you like nose hooking it? Like, right. that all can play into how much twist you're going to get. <clears throat> I know, like, one of the things that I love to drop shot, especially on our lakes, is baby tubes. Ooh. Because a drop shot bait. Now, obviously, you can fish them in a lot of ways, but this is like a really, I don't know if you guys, if you use these a lot, but they are a line twist. What company is killer. that one? This one is bit. Okay. I just found some called like Howie's tubes or something. Sure. But, like this is a really, like, whether you want to put this on a small jig head or a drop shot, amazing smallie baits. Uh, but as a drop shot, it creates a lot of line twist when you nose hook it. <laughs> See, that's one thing I've never done either. Like, guys on St. Clair swear by it. Um, I'm very much like, 
a small minnow finesse presentation or like a big Z2 style presentation. Okay, like, like a big flip body? Yeah. Yep. And I just play with color. So, how about these guys? Ooh, a menace. Scrubs? Never you, put it on there. Really? Nope. I, I love a menace scrub. Like, I use it for trout? a lot of things. No, no, it's like as a. Oh, okay. Yes, I fish them a lot on a wobblehead. Okay. Oh, so yeah, not a wobblehead, but I'll put it on a uh, just a jig head, like fish it like a grub, right? Like, put it on a three sixteenths ounce head, right? Like I have this is my preferred head is this Bastec agitator head, which is a little finesse football, oh, and uh, just swim it like a grub. You can drag. The other thing is like, but if you do cut, like the thing I like about this versus like a regular grub is like if I see a batting fish, if I see a cruiser, I see a boulder, I feel really confident I can flip it and let that just go down, right? That little, yeah, right. It's just a sweet, like that's right? a good one. That's a good like one. that same. A lot of times that time of year when you're throwing, like the same time of year, like a hair jig really excels. If they're not funky, yeah, this thing will crush. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So what do you mean swivel? Like expand. Okay. So like explain this. Like it's a short leader. You're never gonna reel it into your guides, right? No. So it stays. Uh, it stays outside of my first guide. So it's literally only like the length of my arm. Like as long as, like if I, I pitch my drop. It might be like a foot above your hook. Let's put it that way. Uh yeah. I maybe mean it's more than eighteen inches. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like four feet above my hook, and then I have okay, like so you a little bit longer. So you're gonna leave. Yeah. You're kind of like. I, I don't cast, I don't cast. Yeah, I never it's I never cast my drop shot like overhand. Okay. It's all like drop it's all like pitching. pitching. Yep. So like I'll hold my weight and like pitch it out. People call it so crappy you're, shooting. Your but it will be even with your reel. Your yep. drop will be uh, kind of by the kind yeah, of right. Sort of. Your yep. your swivel will be six inches from the tip of your rod and you're just kind of sure. like flipping it. Yeah, my buddies like make fun of me. They call it crappie shooting because that's what it looks like. I hold on the weight and just kind of like shoot it out there. But it's you can cast with the pendulum and that weight at the end. Like you can cast that thing as far enough. Charles, Max, that would be, yeah, would be fire. Can we, say, just start, okay, so, can we just start shedding like pieces of our old generals <laughs> in the back yeah. of the tube? You think? Here's a great tip for tube fishing. So. One problem that I always have with the tube is I tended to lose a lot of fish, especially when the tube was brand new, like right when I put it on. If you take that tube, and, and there were times in super clear water, I wouldn't get bit. Yeah, one, if you cut the tail, or two, you can soften the tube. You like rub it on the boat carpet. It'll make the tube seriously, significantly softer, and it'll basically make it, yep, and it'll make it super matte colored, which in most situations doesn't necessarily matter, but in clean water situations, having a bait that's not super like shiny and reflective. Cause if you think about it, like the bait fish are not, well, bait fish are, but like gobies are not naturally like shiny creatures. So having something less shiny is, nice. I think confidence maybe, but it makes a difference. So I think you're nose hooking a lot cause you use a lot of minnow baits. So you're mostly nose hooking your drop shot. Yeah. What's your yep. hook? Are you like a Nico hook, a mosquito, like a oct- like? What's your hook of? I I run a mosquito one on owner, so I run a big hook, um, or a VMC number two, which Nico, but it kind of overpowers some of the baits. Like it's so big 
that like if I'm running a flatworm on it, it like almost overpowers it. So a VMC owner mosquito, or excuse me, an owner mosquito one knot is like my favorite. And I'm just like, I wish I had a hook here. We'll do it with my my <laughs> treble hook. Janky. <laughs> but all I'm doing is I don't I go through the bottom and come out the tip of the nose. Like I'm not going through the top of the bait. Yeah. You're leaving it where the point is just sticking out the nose. Just barely of, coming know. through the nose. Yeah. It's right. a little more weedless that way. It's a little more. And it's not going to spin around your hook as bad. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times, like if you have it where you just go all the way through, right. it'll, spin. it'll spin a lot and it'll, you'll end up with like hooked like this. Yeah. It'll come back where it's just caught weird. So. Um, yeah, I'm a, I like the Nico style for the most part. Um, anything the mosquito, anything that has that little bit of curl to it, I get nervous about the funky. Sometimes it doesn't hook right, and you can skin hook. I don't know. Like that's just yeah. Um, is the bait per parallel parallel to your line? Yeah, he's nose hooking straight on. Yeah. Yeah. So my it's like this. Yeah. Um. I should maybe touch on Kitek swim baits a little bit. Oh, that's a good one too. Like, are you a Kitek guy? Do you throw any other swim baits? Do you throw? Um, I throw a lot of Kitek. Easy Shiner, I really, really like. Um, overall, the best, like, full body soft plastic swim bait is a Kitek uh, swimming and back fat. Mm-hmm. 3.3 or 3.8 are my two main sizes. 3.3 and 3.8? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And head-wise, do you, you pour those yourself too? or? Yeah, I just throw it on a ball head. Yeah. I use that same menace scrub head that I use, yep. that agitator head, a lot for that. Then the other one I like is the Dobbins. Ooh, so they, it's got that, I don't know if you can, it's got a two-barb system. So the one barbs go that way and the other barbs go that way. That's Surprisingly true. effective. Uh, for just pushing it on, if you don't like, you really don't want to use glue. It makes your baits last a while. It's uh, it's definitely worth. If you're not pouring your own, like it's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good setup. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, same for me. I guess like almost all my spinning rods are the same. Like ten pound braid, eight pound floral. Like yes, <laughs> really. And then, like the same thing applies. Like almost all of my techniques, whether it's Ned drop shot swim bait. They're two power Dobbins, seven to seven foot four, three or four thousand. Like it's, I don't vary it much for that. Um, no, like with a spinning setup for me, the only thing I really play with is for pretty much like a hair or jig or a spy bait, right? Like that's a, a special technique. But if I really had to, I could dial it all into the 713. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never play with the leeches? Uh, I did a couple of years ago, but I don't really fish them anymore. Yeah. Like Stop the Crest, thanks for stopping in. I think you're going to want to watch the replay or catch the podcast. And so you guys are new here. I do turn all these into a podcast version. So if you want to search Hellabass fishing podcast, your favorite app, you can find it. I also put links in the description and the pinned comments. If you guys want to see that, uh, the golden eye, uh, by outcast is a good one. I haven't it's, used it, uh, yeah. but otherwise there's a lot, there's a lot of good options. I mean, there's a lot of, 
especially if you're going to super glue them. There's a ton of really good swim bait heads out there, to be honest. That um, golden is a great head. It's sort of like a crossover for me. Like, mm-hmm. but a lot of times that's if I'm swimming it up in the column. Like if you put that thing on bottom, it'll come through it okay, especially thick rock, but it's so expensive. I don't want to get that thing snagged. Yeah. So one of your other goals for 2020. Yeah. How did it go? What did we learn? Terrible. You're you're not a convert yet? You're still building confidence? No. Yeah. Um, It was one of those things where it was a weird year, though. Like, I didn't fish much in what I would consider, like, the prime time to be throwing a hair jig because we had just had the baby in June. And so, like, June, July, August was when I would, like, in my brain, pick it up a lot. It didn't happen. Yeah. You said hair jig, but you meant spy bait. Oh, yeah. I meant spy bait. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of those things, though. I had rigged up all year. Just, I did a full show with David Swanside, right? And he's like, "Man, just throw it, just throw it, just throw it." Yeah, I, I heard. I heard like the, the you're talking about the podcast. Yeah, you yep. did with Alex. You guys like at two parts. It was like four hours long. It was like, like super long. He just yeah. He gets but, you jacked up. He talks about it. He's like, oh, "You're like when you listen to that interview, you're like." I'm gonna catch a million yeah, fish. I'm gonna, on a, like, I'm gonna crush them. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> and then, yeah, dude. But then it's one of those things where like you have to really have the confidence to throw it. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I have not. I've dabbled, and then I throw it, and then somebody else catches five fish, and then I'm done with it. And then I don't know. I'm still. I mean, I still like still need to learn it. There's definitely places in time. Uh, Horizontal. So the ones you pour, is it a horizontal or vertical line tie? Okay, so I'm on your. It's not, Sorry, it's not OCD about this as I am. Like I'm super OCD. If I'm going to be fishing it on bottom and using a horizontal line tie, it just comes through cover a lot better. So if you're going to drag and bounce around rocks. Yep. yep it'll be like a six. It'll be like a sixty degree horizontal. If I'm up in the water, because I want to kind of keep that head up as much as I can. Like I want to keep it so it just crawls over stuff. If I'm up in the water and I'm fishing it up in the water, it's a vertical 90. And that's basically to keep it more horizontal facing. In a, yeah, more keeled out. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I use a little bit of both, but it's, that's that's a good breakdown. Um, float and fly on the Great Lakes ever? I've never done it. Well, I've never done it on the Great Lakes. The first time I ever did it was last year in January. I decided to make a trip to Tennessee. And uh, did the Jamaica rig fly? Yep. Have you ever tried remelting Maxent? I'm guessing it wouldn't work. I've never tried it. I think it would smell. You should do it in the kitchen tonight. Oh my gosh, dude! If I did that in the kitchen, I would be sleeping outside. (laughs) And not even because she's mad. You just might not want to. No, I wouldn't want to be around it. I wouldn't want to be around it. Um. All right. So. Those so the A rig and the uh, the spy bait weren't all you hope to be. What about the uh, the wobblehead? The wobblehead wobble I love. I'm in love with wobblehead. For me, so it's what, just what one did of those you learn things. about the 2020 wobblehead in your journey this year? What, what, when, when, and why, and what baits? The biggest thing I always was like, man, three quarters the size doesn't matter if you're in two foot of water or ten foot. Of, no, like you have to match the wobblehead the same way you would a swim bait. You want it to like crawl. Right. That's a big thing. And the best part of the wobblehead is just having a trailer that wants to have natural movement away from the head. So whether that's a swim bait, whether that's, um, it's 
I like a bait that kicks. So a Rage Menace, a little swim bait, which I didn't do a ton of, um, a Structure Bug. Those are all like some of my favorites. Reaction Innovation Spicy Beaver, because it has like that thick head built in, is phenomenal. But the biggest thing, you want a bait that wants to have movement away from, like, separate from the head and match it to the depth you're fishing. Because I complained about losing a bunch of fish. It's because I was fishing way too heavy, and I didn't have the right rod matched up. Um, but anywhere that those fish are on bottom, relating to bottom, you can fish a wobblehead. Are you making those? Have you got ones you no, like? No, uh, I fish the must-add fast hatch, which has, like, the screw-on hook. And then I'll put, and like, a high so uh, yeah. heavy duty nine fifty. You're you're buying the heads and matching the hooks so you get what you yeah. like for a hookup and yeah. Yep. So like I like to match like a three out with a rage menace, a four out with a structure bug. Like you can change out the hook size and like which is really cool. Do you play around with finesse footballs at all? Like the, the little micro footballs and things? In rivers. In rivers and in the lakes. When fish get around, like, some sort of specific cover. It's just not a huge confidence thing. But, like, natural lakes, I will. Sure. So. Yeah. So many, like, unique niche things with smallmouth yeah. to that one. Nice. Yep. Mm. All right. We didn't talk about tubes much. So we talked about rolling around. Like, are you an yeah. exposed tube guy? Are you uh, I'm an exposed tube guy, but I'm also like a very anti-tube fisherman now. Like, just in general, I know a tube has a time and place, but if I can throw a net rig and just get bit, I'll throw a net rig. Tube's going to catch a bigger fish, but net rig is going to get more bites. So, like, where is that trade-off? Where does it break even? That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Punch, we talked a bunch about crankbaits in the first half hour, so you have to rewind. Um, what's hey, up, Bailey? Bailey's, Bailey's stopping in. What's Isn't up, it? Bailey? It's kind of like past Bailey's bedtime. I don't know what he's still doing. Yeah, no, uh, that kid should be asleep by now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so I'm a big stupid tube guy. You ever play with a stupid tube? I have not. Yeah, it's more of a cover thing, like skipping boat docks, fishing around grass, fishing like rivers that type of stuff, wing dams. Like that's where a stupid tube I think is really good. Uh, obviously in the great, great lakes, there really wouldn't be an application that I would know about unless you like had wrecks or something, but then you'd probably fish a drop shot or something like that instead. But yeah, there's some times and places where I'm like, man, a stupid tube would probably work like really thick um, perch grass when like you can't fish a bottom bait mm -hmm. or like up North in particular, you fish around these. They're not tulies, but they're like, sort of reeds that stick way too far out into the water, a stupid tube would probably smash them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I lose fish. Bailey says he loses fish on tubes. Any reason? Um, are you fishing exposed tubes? I lose a lot of fish on a tube as well. Hmm. I don't really know the, the reason why, but yeah, I lose a lot of fish on a tube. <laughs> um, I can't say that I do. Uh, I, I will tell you one thing. I fish most of my tubes on a baitcaster, and I fish them on 10 to 12-pound line. So back to the hook them and get them to the boat. <laughs> yeah. And I maybe use a little bit bigger hook. Um, I don't do a lot. Like, I would say, like, spinning rod tubes, that's where I probably lost fish. So, like, if I'm trying to fish a tube on that same 10-pound braid to 8-pound fluoro, 
I think I lose fish there. But when I'm bait cast, I don't have that issue with tubes. I wonder if it's like jig fishing, right? Like I, I love when I largemouth fish, like I'll fish a jig, even when they're not eating a jig, mm-hmm. but like just being able to hit that fish, like drive that hook home and get the fish to the boat. Right. Like I wonder if that's what I'm doing wrong with the tube on a spinning setup. Hmm. Yeah. So that's me. I think maybe power up. I would say if you're losing fish, I would say ha- try a heavier action rod, uh, potentially. Uh, dark sleeper. Are you a dark sleeper guy? I haven't played around with them. Dude, so that is like a huge thing around here. Like everyone fishes in trust. I've, I have had bad experiences. Like I, not getting bites or not landing? No, like or? I get the bites, but I don't get, like I don't land the fish. And I just don't like in my head understand how to fish it effectively. Hmm. And I've gone so far as I got so pissed off. I cut off those little flanges that are supposed to protect the hook. I'm like, this thing's junk and I have some, but I don't know how to fish it. It's a confidence thing. Yeah. So it's like the thing is like the more you get dialed in on X, you leave yourself gay, you know, vulnerable. Like like it's like if we're gonna blitz yeah. <laughs> on the strong side, we're leaving ourselves up to the screen path, right? Like yeah. <laughs> uh Punch Fishing says, uh I have to set them hard like a football jig. Hmm. I've uh, seen guys throw them on a bait caster. Like they tell you, throw it on a bait would, caster. I, I don't own fish it. Like I did, a I would jig. But I'm like, uh, do I fish it like a jig? Or do I swim it like a swim bait? Or do I do a crossover thing? Like I drag it and I, I swim it? more people say fish like a football jig. But hmm. I don't have any real personal experience. It's one of those things that I'd love to learn. I just don't know. Yeah, I would say stupid tube, same thing. Like for me, people say they lose fish on a stupid tube, but I fish it on a bait caster, and I just I catch them. Um, jig for tube, EWG, that kale hook, stupid tubes. Yeah, actually, I mean, in theory, the hookup should be worse on a stupid tube. So I don't know because <laughs> you're coming through some plastic. Um, right. There's it depends. Like some people say they can't hook them on a stupid tube, and that's why they hook it, the fish it exposed, and vice versa. So uh, fish are dark. Like punch the guy that's brought up. He says he fishes them like a jig. So think of it's it as a, a big net or a big or a small football jig. I guess like across it, like you know, probably halfway between a, a football head and a, a net. That's um, good to know. Watch, I'm gonna. That's gonna be my new confidence bait next year. I'm gonna pick that thing up, and I'm just gonna start smashing them. Kevin, just, great answer. He said that this is what I would like. Yes, fifteen pound and a seven forty three. Oh, I love me a Dobbin seven forty three is like my favorite bait casting smally rod. Like I'll throw tubes, I'll throw mojo rigs, I'll throw like all kinds of stuff on that Dobbin seven forty three. Um, Show us what a stupid tube rig looks like. You'll ha- I don't have any handy in the basement. I don't have any tubes. I have small tubes. I don't have big tubes. You're going to have to go just search stupid tube and watch my video, Chad. You know what it looks like. But uh, uh, you got to do your homework. I've got a video on the stupid tube. Um, but uh, cool. We're a little over two hours. Um, is there anything else? Last call for questions. Anything else we didn't cover that you want to cover? Uh, ben, no, dude. I I'm just really uh, I really appreciate all the people that have joined us and 
hopped yeah, on. Uh, we up around sixty some for a while, so that's pretty solid. Not, we didn't like set any records, but it was uh, a good night for sure. We've had solid numbers all night, so appreciative for the people that hung in there and hit the thumbs up. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, appreciate you taking the time. This was, I mean, like I always like most people say, like, "Well, we were on for two hours. Were we really that long? Like, it never feels like." Yeah, no, it did not long. feel like two hours. It was like, yeah, I really appreciate you having me do. Yeah, Max uh, tubes Car- and Carolina. I should make rigs. them. Yep, Carolina, Carolina rigs, thumbs up, love them. Uh, I do like certain instances, uh, sand drops, grass lines. Uh, I would say natural lakes probably more that's so. Nat- probably that's not a big- exactly what I was going to say. It's, yeah. it's a very natural lake thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I said, uh, I think it's uh, – what's your Instagram again? I think I got it linked down in the description. But- yeah, so my Instagram is at Fishing. It's more so just like me. And then my YouTube is the Smallmouth Experience. Yeah. And we'll have links down below. Um, I flashed, I think, the YouTube channel earlier in there so you can rewind and see that. Uh, check out the replay. Check out the podcast if you want to catch up. I think it's definitely worth the listen. Uh, we covered a ton of great stuff. There was a lot of good nuggets both from us and from people in the yes. uh, uh, Rich St. Clair in the spring. But can we meet? Can Bailey and I meet at your house next, Heck yeah, next spring? Like, we'll, uh, go to, we'll go to St. Clair and then we'll go to somewhere else. Heck yeah, dude. Uh, That'd be sweet. Um, But yeah, appreciate everybody hanging out. Appreciate it. Uh, If you're new here, consider subbing, leaving a comment. Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, I love just interacting with everybody. This is what makes it a lot of fun. Um, So as always, uh, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. We'll see you guys later. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>